At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 Hello, this is Zack Sabre Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here alongside the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be previewing the Super Junior Tag League and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Suplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. Uh, so like I mentioned, young boy, we're going to talk about the Super Junior Tag League. Uh, but before we get to that, um, I think there's a piece of news that we should open up the show with uh, since it's kind of been the hot topic and everybody's talking about it. All the stuff with Tama Tonga and all the Bullet Club stuff. I thought you wanted to talk about my health <laughs> because I don't feel like the young boy. I feel like sick boy. From the flop? Yes. <laughs> I feel actually, you know what? Is that a bit that I've done on this show before? What, being sick? Yeah, and I called myself Sick Boy, and then you mentioned the flock. I feel like we've done this. It's possible. Such deja vu. But yeah, man, I'm feeling really, 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 really sick tonight. So, um, and actually, you guys shouldn't even thank me for being the one who, you know, went on with the show, because I was willing to do this, but I didn't want to get Jeremy sick, but Jeremy's, he's braving the elements, man. (laughs) And I'm telling you, you do not want to get whatever I have right now. You do not want to get it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely we need to talk about what's going on with Kenny and Tama and Fale and Ishimori and Switchblade and Gato <laughs> and Jado. The whole locker room. Harold Mai. <laughs> we need to figure out what the crap is going on. Uh, so I got the, a lot of Tama's tweets pulled up. I'll go ahead and... Uh, oh, wait. You're talking about, like, actual tweets? Yeah. I'm talking more just like in a... I thought you just meant more in the general sense. Like, we need to figure out what the crap is going on with this storyline. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, we do. But you thought you want me to pull the tweets up. I'm being... 
It's a bit, Jeremy. Uh, it's a bit for the show. <laughs> my my comedic timing is off. I'm so like I'm so like dead right now that like. Well, usually I have a hard time anyway because sometimes you deliver stuff so like dry. I have no idea if you're serious or joking. Sometimes it's the best. <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, let's talk about what all the ruckus that uh, that Tama is causing because it seems to be not the talk of the wrestling world, but one of them. One of them. Yeah, so starting three days ago, Tama tweets, Funny reading that a lot of foreign performers are complaining about the work atmosphere not being fun in New Japan. What a load of shit. Plenty of great talents out there would be grateful to have an opportunity to work in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Who fed you those lives, Dave Meltzer? (laughs) New president and management helping the company gain sponsorship with international expansion. What a time to be a part of New Japan. Traveling, big money, company growing. Yeah, bitch. Us foreigners that have been here and worked our asses off are very proud of how far we've come. So to the foreigners or foreigners complaining to Dave Meltzer that they are not having fun, you can GTFO. I've never in my career here in New Japan have heard of a Japanese wrestler complaining about the work atmosphere not being fun in New Japan. Get GTF out of here. So that's interesting um you know i i was listening to that that's kind of where kenny starts responding right well so then uh so austin gunn posted a picture of him and billy gunn in front of a cracker barrel saying the the gun club has started our day off right at cracker barrel figured we'd do our signature pose of course it was my idea hashtag grumpy gun he tagged cody nick and matt Cody uh, responded, he said, did you guys join the Bullet Club too? (laughs) They did this weird thing last weekend where like the entire locker room joined (laughs) while I was backstage stretching. I believe uh, uh, Singblade is our current boss. So then uh, Tama responded, jealous much? Your true face has been showing a lot lately. Hashtag don't delete this one either. He also responded, oh, and remember, you're elite. The whole locker room joined Bullet Club while you were stretching. Weird how you'd forget this important detail. Huh. So, I mean, I know, like, last week we kind of reported on the fact that... <clears throat> excuse me, you guys are going to have to bear with me. That, uh, that Dave uh, had reported that there was people that were unhappy with the current direction of the management, the current direction of the, the backstage the different parties that have been brought in, different things like that. And then um, I actually was at work today and I was listening to a couple of the Observer uh, episodes over this past, you know, weekend. And he was, I guess it kind of sounded like Dave was defending his point. Like maybe there's people who are questioning the validity of it. Right. And he was basically saying, it's not one guy. It's not two guys. It's not five guys. It's much, much more than that. And he's like, I'm not going to give you names, but... And then he said, and it's not just the Gaijin talent. He's like... It's a, He's like, there's a lot of domestic uh, talent that are also feeling the same way. And he's like, and it's not... Um, he says there's names that you'd be very surprised, guys that you you would think that would never consider leaving the company or guys that that seem to be bothered by this. So I don't know necessarily I'm I'm gonna be honest. 
I don't consider myself a Dave Meltzer homer the way like some fans do. And I don't think that we come on this show a lot and, you know, praise Dave one way or the other. A lot of times we'll just share what he has said, if that makes sense. I mean, obviously we, we listen to his stuff. And we, as fans, find ourselves in that circulation of that kind of like think tank, that bubble of fandom. But I mean, at the same time, I don't always, I do sometimes, not always, because I think a lot of times Dave's pretty reputable Mm -hmm. and he's a a good source for content or, you know, news. He's, I mean, he's one of the, he's a credible source. He's one of the most credible sources there out there. But at the same time, I don't know if this is, uh, I don't know if he's embellishing or not. We really can't say one way or the other because there's not enough information being given. Right. Um, I mean, what do you think? And I mean, it, it's one of those things where we're not backstage, so we have no idea what's truly happening. And, you know, honestly, I don't know Dave's sources. Like, how many sources does Dave truly have in New Japan? I really don't know. We know he's close with the elite guys. He's got to have sources there. I mean, he doesn't, from what most people say and think, he doesn't really have sources in WWE anymore. Really. Like, that locker room is, like, closed off to him for the most part. But, like, here it does seem to be that he, in these other companies that are international or indie, he does have sources there. Right. And I'm not down. Like, honestly, I, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things. Like, I don't know. He could. He, he could not. Could it, could it just be the elite trying to, you know, angle their way into getting more money and using Dave to help them do that? that that's a possibility. But, I, you know, I just don't know. Well, one thing he said, and I think it's important to keep in consideration, um... All these guys within the elite, and this is kind of spanning out into a greater discussion, their contracts are up. And when it comes time to uh, negotiate, just like with any sports agency, you want to get the most value for the least amount of money that you possibly can afford to pay them. And so a lot of these guys, especially Kenny and the Bucks, and Marty and all these guys that are involved in this, they have certain ideas about why the company is where it's at and that they're the ones who have moved the, the you know, the needle. And then I don't know what was said, but Dave essentially alluded to the fact that someone in management said something that hurt the feelings of one of the performers. And it sounded like he was talking about one of the elite guys. I don't want to speculate who it was. I mean, it could have been any of them. Sure. But they essentially said something that has really caused a, a big shift and a, a big issue, allegedly. whether the, How big this thing is, we really don't know. It could, it could just be with them. We don't really know. But that's a very it, – it's a nuanced thing when it comes to business because you know how much – you know, a sports property or a team or a talent is worth, but you want to diminish that to a certain degree so that you don't wind up overpaying for the talent. You know what I mean? Right. And that's kind of where negotiations get tricky. And I think that's where some of this might be coming from. Um, and who knows? I mean, maybe these guys have had it in their mind to leave the whole time and um, the relationship might literally just be deteriorating because of that you know with that unspoken thing where it's like they're getting money thrown at them and you know what is this company going to do I don't know exactly you know what I mean right I do think it's interesting though 
that there were reports, and we talked about it earlier in the year, that Tama was unhappy. Right. There, I remember Tama was tweeting out stuff like the original Bull Club's coming back, meaning he was going to join Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows in WWE. That's what it kind of sounded like or, or something to that fact. And yeah. there were reports that he was unhappy about being um, reprimanded and, and uh, disciplined when he was having issues with the company, you know, with the stuff he was tweeting out before. Right. <laughs> Earlier in the year and, and, and all that And stuff. now it seems like things are flipped. Maybe maybe they're not though. Maybe yeah. he's working. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. Like, and maybe- I mean, there's some, there's some more tweets here that might lead to you, you thinking that he's working. Uh, so let me read off the rest of the stuff he's been tweeting. Uh, he says, "Sometimes I wonder if Kota Ibushi knows that he's way better than Kenny Omega mm-hmm. and should be the face of the company, but is being used by his best friend as leverage for his own selfish needs." So then uh, Kenny tweeted out, and he's like, I wonder if uh, Freddy Krueger controls uh, Tamatonga's Twitter account. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then Kenny responded, dang, I shouldn't have called you out on the, the Freddy, Krueger, Fre- Freddy Krueger act. Personally, I like when you say bitch a lot. I guess entry-level salary can't afford multiple fines a year, huh? Let's hope those Funko Pop sales help ease the burden during the holiday season. Oh, wait. And Tamara responds, LOL, no, 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 you're fine. You know I love me a little competition. Just don't run to your boyfriend Dave Meltzer crying about how it's not fun anymore. Bitch. Oops. <laughs> and then uh, Tamara says, do you smell all the all what bitches I'm setting on fire? Hashtag bad boy smoking them out. Then he says, so, at David Meltzer, you went from putting all the heat on the foreigners, uh, nothing about the Japanese talent, to now adding more bullshit, which includes top Japanese, top Japanese talents. You're deep into wrestling politics now, huh? Who's playing you like a fiddle? He said, y'all wanted to go to war not knowing I'm the only one here who's ever been in a real one. Uh, then he said. Then he posts a picture of it, the new Bullet Club shirt. He says, "New shirt up that won't be my last one affiliated with hashtag Bullet Club because we are hashtag Bullet Club and oh, it's far by my favorite one hashtag War." Then he tweets out, "The elite doesn't exist without hashtag Bullet Club. Good luck in WWE." Yeah, so that one has been getting a lot of press coverage today, specifically. Yeah. And uh, he's a lot more like that. He says, "Uh." Adam Page coming out with his last Bullet Club affiliated t-shirt? Ha! Who the F were you before then? Hashtag exactly. Good luck in WWE. We were here before, we are here during, and we'll be here after. Hashtag Bullet Club. Good luck in WWE. Yeah, so obviously Tama is shooting tons of shots. Yeah. Like this man, um, this man's great on the mic <laughs> when it comes to this sort of thing. And, um, you know, we were pretty um, critical of, of some of the Twitter stuff he had going on with the fans. And I think, you know, that is one of the reasons that uh, it's important for New Japan to have a good PR team to kind of like monitor situations like this. I don't know if this is something that is too meta uh, for wrestling fans or if this is something that's 
I mean, what do you, do you think this is a positive or a detriment to the product? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know because I mean it's kind of almost like a negative because these guys are technically really not feuding right now. I mean they kind of. They, I guess they are. I don't know. I know. I mean, well, they have the eight man tag at uh, what's like King of Pro Wrestling. I mean, and right now it doesn't look like they're really booked against each other going forward in the future. I mean, they're kind of going off with uh, Switchblade Jay White and going to feud with Okada. Um, you know, Kenny's got. Um, Tanahashi to deal with, um, and so you mean more so like in like on the card with Paris Struggle and on the upcoming card with right you right know, going going forward in the future we don't have immediate matches booked to kind of blow off what they're saying on Twitter right so they just like is, are they trying to build something or I mean is this like a shoot or work like what's like I don't know what exactly to make of all this stuff yeah it is interesting how he kind of addressed what uh, what Dave was saying that there's top Japanese talent who are involved in this. And it does seem to like we have questions regarding this from fans, even to, you know, on this show. But there are people who are speculating what this means for, you know, the the morale of the backstage crew, you know, the the talent that are there, um, what this means for New Japan going forward. You right. Know? Yeah. Now I know Harold Mai has actually come out and responded to this, and he said that like he feels deeply disgusted. And sick reading the reports, he doesn't think they're indicative of what is actually happening in New Japan, and that that they don't know where this is coming from necessarily, or they might have speculations about who it's coming from, but it's not. Like I said, it's not indicative of of what's actually happening. Right. Um, and he did say he's like, listen, New Japan is stronger than ever. It's going forward, and we're doing everything we can to avoid going back to any sort of dark days or anything like that. You know what I right. mean? Um. Yeah, I mean, this is very interesting stuff, but it's also very like, I don't know. It's like kind of shaded and secretive. Like, I don't know what it means, you know? Right. And it's kind of like, who's telling the truth? Like, is Dave telling the truth? Is Harold May telling the truth? Tamatonga telling the truth? I mean, Dave might not be lying, but but he's just reporting what he's being told. Right. And so, and wrestling, wrestling journalism is such a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's such a hard thing to pinned down because it's like you're trying to sift through carnies right <laughs> and things that they tell you but i mean there have been times i mean i've i've heard plenty of other publications that have called dave out on things where maybe he misreported something or you know embellished something and then other times he's dead on right so it is hard to say with any certainty what this means and i do think that it's um you've got two sides in this equation who are interested in their own agendas, you know, like with these guys that are part of the elite, what is their agenda in saying these things? You know what I mean? Right. Is their agenda to better the company? And so they're trying to get the word out because they're trying to shed light on it. And hopefully management will shift due to what they're saying or is it because they're interested in making more money and it's a power play to either raise their stock within the company so that they get more money or so that they get paid more when they do eventually walk away? And then on the other side, it's like you have New Japan and their management and their talent that are going to be the you know the talent that will be staying, and are they, they they might be trying to cushion the blow of these guys leaving, or maybe they're literally just the innocent parties in this entire thing and you know what I mean right I don't know 
Yeah, it's definitely a, a kind of convoluted situation. Uh, we have a question, a couple questions, like you mentioned, like related to this. Uh, so Dom Homie 101 on Reddit asks, with all the news about the rift between the talent and the office, do you think we see a situation like what happens uh, to all Japan pro wrestling in 2000? I don't think so. I don't know if that's a possibility or not. Um, that was sort of an unprecedented thing because they lost everybody. Right. And for <laughs> fans who don't know, that was when Mas- uh, Masawa and like, you know, 23, 25 of the top All Japan pro wrestlers kind of defected from, left All Japan and started pro wrestling Noah, right? Yeah. Well, essentially what happened is it was everybody. Yeah. There was only three talent that stayed behind and when they left it wasn't just the wrestlers that left it was the stage crew the production staff the everybody like literally the company left with Mizawa and and went to go form Pro Wrestling Noah and only three talent if I recall stayed back and were loyal to Miss Baba at the time um I don't know what the business side of things is like as far as who is locked up to contracts with New Japan, who's not, who's free to go. You know what I mean? Right. Um, could could we see a situation where a lot of people leave? I mean, if the situation was bad enough, but I would be – that would just seem so crazy to me. I don't think that that's the case at all. I mean, we've been – Last week we were critical about some of the directions of the booking and things like that, but I mean, I, I mean, for a company to be at the stage where they're at, to be expanding and to be getting TV deals and to, to have gone through all this growth over the past five six years, and then um, for it to so suddenly change, that just doesn't seem even. It doesn't seem based in a reality that I'm seeing. Right. Um, but could we see something like what we saw? Three or four years ago, was it three years ago? Talking about when AJ yeah. Nakamura, uh, Gals, and Anderson all left. Yeah, I mean, we we already know we have a lot of talent whose contracts are coming up. Could we see a, you know, these guys, these Bullet Club elite guys, leave and go to WWE? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't put that on the same level as what happened with Noah, but it could be very similar to what happened, you know, three years ago when that happened. People literally were like, I don't know how New Japan's going to recover. <laughs> yeah. It was. Like, people were literally like that at the time. Yeah, but they, they found a way to bounce back. Quickly. Uh, quickly. Yeah, very quickly. I mean, very quickly. And that's what happens when you have good booking and you have guys that you've been building that could step into to spots like that. I'm not worried about the Bullet Club elite yeah. guys leaving at all. Like, yeah. I have no fears about it. And, like, not that I have fears about it, but as a, as a fan of this product, mm-hmm. if they do leave, I'm... In a way, I'm like, well, that could kind of be a good thing for the product to a certain degree. Right. Um, not saying that that's what I think should happen. I, I, in the same token, these guys are definitely big business for the company, and they, I would love to see them stay. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not worried about it. But I mean, so speaking of those elite guys, several of them have tweeted this past week. Um, with their final Bullet Club design, um, you know, a lot of them available now on Pro Wrestling Tees. Um, so, you know, with that speculation, with them all posting, you know, our final Bullet Club affiliated T-shirt, a lot of fans are speculating that this is a sign that they are potentially going to WWE. It could be. 
Um, what's the other side of that, though? The other side is that, you know, they are just, they're dropping Bullet Club. They're going to market the elite. They own the IP for the elite. Like we mentioned several times, a lot of fans forget New Japan owns the IP for the Bullet Club name, logo, theme, all that stuff. Right. So they could be, I mean, they, they already wanted to be the elite, what was that, like two years ago when Kenny took over the Bullet Club. Right. They were already planning to, to market themselves as the elite, but New Japan wanted to keep them in the Bullet Club. Right. So now it could be like, this is the last Bullet Club shirt. New shirts are going to be branded as the elite. They could still end up signing with Ring of Honor and New Japan. And if still, instead of representing the Bullet Club, they represent the elite. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you hit it right on the nail with that. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are leaving. And nobody except for them really know what is going on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, they could have already made up their mind and have the, the you know, everything in place to be headed to WWE. There have been times where it did not seem like that was really a likely possibility. I mean, with the success of All In and the statements that they've made, it has seemed many times like they were saying. Um, we'll talk about the, uh, the um, press conference for Wrestle Kingdom but many of the things that uh, that Kenny has said has made me think that he's not leaving. Right. Um, and I've felt that way for a long time. But then at the same time, you start looking at things like this, like people calling them out saying, you know, good luck in WWE. The fact that they are, they're not going to be selling Bullet Club merchandise any longer. And the interesting thing with that is there's not, there doesn't seem to be, like you mentioned, they're not heading to this cataclysmic um, match between the OGs and the elite. Wouldn't it seem like if they're going to stop selling that, that they would have some sort of grand within the brand? If they're going to factor into future storylines, that they'd have some sort of grand emergence as this new faction with new merch. But instead, they're like cashing in as a, it's like when wrestlers have their final dates or right, something like right, that. Yeah, and that that is kind of telling to me. And there's also the fact that we know. As of right now, the uh, the Bucks aren't coming back to Japan for the rest of the year. Yeah. They're working, like, what, 20 more dates uh, this year, and it's all with, like, Ring of Honor. So that's, like, what is what is that about? Like, what's going on there? Yeah. Very, I don't know, very interesting things. Um, what, do you, what are you thinking is, is going to be the outcome here? I mean, we've been talking about this since we started this podcast. Yeah. A year ago. Yeah, yeah, literally almost a year ago now. I mean, honestly, and like I, I mentioned this to um, Rance and Kyle when I was on Outsider's Edge last week, we were talking about this. I don't know. I, I just don't feel like they're going to go to WWE. I felt like they, they've built up so much momentum with All In. You know, they're killing it with t-shirts between Pro Wrestling Tees, Hot Topic, Young uh, Buck, Um They have the Being the Elite YouTube series. They're writing children's books. Like They're doing all this entrepreneurial kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to get to do all that stuff in WWE. So for, for me, if I have a hard time seeing them leaving this freedom to create their own schedule, their freedom to work on all these projects to go to WWE that's going to control everything. So maybe they might not sign with New Japan. Maybe they go Ring of Honor exclusive. Heck, maybe they go to Impact. Who knows what they're going to do? Maybe they're working multiple promotions 
and you 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 can book the elite for a certain fee and get them to come to your promotion and they work multiple locations you know cody really likes being you know the nwa traveling champion maybe they start you know maybe they partner with the nwa who knows what they're going to do there there are several viable options outside of WWE and New Japan right now that they can um, get their hands into. So, I mean, personally, I don't think they're going to go. Now, would I be surprised if they go? Not really. Vince is going to back the Brinks truck up. Um, All this money that they're getting from TV deals and all these international um, pay-per-views that they're doing, Vince is going to have plenty of money to throw at them. And you got to think, you know, it, it might get so big to a point that it's ridiculous for them to turn down and it's better for their financial future and it's better for their family and they go ahead and do that yeah i mean we we've discussed this before where um just looking at different deals that they've made this past year you look at like the daniel bryan day uh uh, deal, the Rey Mysterio deal. Um, WWE is willing to make certain sorts of concessions now to get guys that they don't want as properties outside of WWE. Whether they see them as viable, you know, needle movers or you know, top guys or, or what have you. Whether they're going to actually push them or, or use them, I have. We don't. We don't know. I mean, we see. I mean, NXT is an indie factory right now. They're signing up all the top guys off the indies they don't and, know and, sh- and shoving them in NXT. Uh, NXT UK. Um, it's going to be starting uh, this week on the network. Uh, they've signed up all the top, you know, some guys from Progress. I, uh, think, I think RevPro is starting their TV deal at the exact same time yeah. as well, which is kind of, I mean, obviously that's why they're doing it. Right. They're, they're <laughs> trying to fight RevPro. They're trying to uh, stop um, World Sport. They're trying to have a foothold in the UK. So WWE, I mean. They're willing to do things that in the past they wouldn't be willing to do. And it does make me wonder with guys like you know the elite what kind of deal could they potentially get not just from a a money standpoint because we know that they have all the money in the world to throw at them um what kind of allowances would they give these guys within the the confines of their contract maybe they let them continue to do being the elite uninhibited maybe they allow them to do that to to get to get them maybe they have certain sorts of creative controls in their contracts I mean, there are things that Vince or Hunter, whoever it is that's uh, negotiating with them, might be able to offer them and afford them to entice them to come across the lake and come across the pond and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, really do this thing. Um, I would say, though, that I would be very critical of what they hypothetically are doing right now if that is the case. Like, if they know that they're going and they start spreading like this kind of poison um you know and also i would also admonish dave Meltzer if that's the case i don't i don't uh i'm not saying that that is what's happening i have no idea but if if it is just like some sort of uh power ploy i don't know if i'm in dave's situation and i'm the one reporting it I feel like you have to be kind of responsible with your journalistic integrity and instead of saying like, hey, this is a fact, this is what the guys are telling me and this is how it is, maybe you approach it with like, hey, this is what I'm hearing, but then you also like deal with the other side of it that, hey, these guys are could hypothetically be self-interested parties and it might not be true because that would be an awful thing for them to help build up New Japan as a product 
and as this, uh, you know, this brand. And then when they are able to leverage it to get a better deal, hey, if you can get a better deal, all the more power to you. I don't think anyone, no New Japan fan and no uh, no wrestling, you know, real fan is going to say not to do that. I right. mean, we're, we're, we're the same people who are sitting here saying like, hey, Pac did the same thing. That's great. But if you are doing it at the expense of, of the brand that you helped build up out of like malice or spite or something like that that's really not cool like that's not how you do business that's not how you you leave a company you know what i mean like right. you should leave something leave better. on your best foot yeah don't burn bridges so but then at the, at the same time i'm not saying that that is what's happening right these reports could be totally legit and if they are then they're i don't know you know um i mean there's a couple ways it could go if if it is real like this could open up a dialogue where the parties are able to address the issues and and be progressive and and seek to come to a resolution that's that's beneficial for all people involved Mm -hmm. or it could be something where you know the, the company takes a hard company line stance and says no what we're doing is what's right and we want to figure out who's saying this and like we want to punish those parties involved and then and then it does become an issue you know what i mean yeah and i don't know i don't know what's uh my my big thing is like what's best for new japan i don't know i don't know what's happening like we don't know what these business moves hypothetically even are right so it's gonna be you know a really interesting few months leading into january seeing exactly what you know what else is going to come out and just seeing is seeing what these elite guys are going to do going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another uh, kind of follow up question similar to this uh, situation comes from Reddit user Jai Brian. He says, "Do you think the doom and gloom around New Japan is overblown? I happen to think it is." Well, I mean, wh- what doom and gloom? I mean, I guess last week. I'll, I'll say this. I know last week. I got more flack on from our recording of the show than I think I've ever gotten before, and it's been a crazy week. I wanted to take some time out and actually respond to some of the, uh, you know, some of the comments we got from our listeners because I think people thought that I was taking a very, um, what would you call it? Um, I guess they, uh, I don't know, maybe confirm. They thought you were taking like a firm stance on like the Westernization and right, right. What? And you know what? And I'm, I'm not one who's shy to share his opinions. And if I see things that I think are problematic, I will say that. But I, I'll also say that uh, obviously it's been over a week since the, we recorded, so I don't remember everything I said. But I felt like I did give a pretty balanced opinion on everything. Mm-hmm. There are many, like I think that sometimes. You know, someone will hear you say something. They think like, "Oh, you're totally down on the product." And I think I said many times, like, "This has been a great year. They've had tons of high points." You know, I'm not ready to throw away the product or throw away the company, right? Or, yeah, yeah, or anything like that. Yeah. And I think that the the with you and me, a lot of times we do uh, our recordings are more centered on we're focusing on an individual show, so we might bring up the issues of a show. And it's not the big picture of the whole year, always. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. it, it is hard to review a show, review just one show in a vacuum, but then also deal with the expansiveness of, of the overall booking for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that it's so doom and gloom, but I will say this, and it's what I was trying to kind of say last week. 
it's not all happy right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just about these reports. It's also, I mean, I, I'm not seeing fans like raving and reviewing like raving about how awesome things are right now with New Japan the way that they were during the G1 or during Dominion or right. Wrestle Kingdom season right. so I don't know I if I'd call it doom and gloom but it's also not like it's not the positivity that you're right. used to like right. experiencing there's, there's been a lot of questionable booking a lot of question decisions that have happened you know there's been a lot of like it seems like a lot of last minute booking with you know cards not coming out a week before a show comes out and when usually that's not the case you know usually for these big shows you know well in advance what the card is going to be and you know what to expect and so you know that's kind of part of the issue that's been happening with more you know more shows it seems like there's been some like last minute booking and just some other like western stuff that's been happening and we i i feel like collectively we're not as down on new japan as i think some other uh shows are or other you know reviewers are no uh and you know i still love new japan product i still think it's pro- it's one of the best um, companies that I, I'm currently following and you know the road to Wrestle Kingdom 13 looks great to me with a lot of the matches that um, seem to be kind of uh, foreshadowed so I, I don't think it's all are we gonna are we gonna keep doing this like if if it gets really bad well keep defending it no, no. like keep doing keeping it strong style. oh uh, I guess we'll, I don't know I guess we'll see <laughs> <laughs> like if it gets really bad are we gonna be like alright guys I've had it. Like that's it. Like, uh, well, stay tuned for keeping it progress. <laughs> <laughs> this this company went way downhill once they brought Randy Orton and put the IWGP title. on <laughs> uh, Like I don't know. Yeah, like sometimes I do wonder. Like what is the end game here? Like yes. I'm like how long how long do we keep doing this? Like yeah. is, is the show gonna, like I imagine it's gonna be once. Once we've cashed in and we can sell this thing off for, oh, yeah, yeah. for a sizable you know, <laughs> sum, like that's that's the, the that's real the goal, idea. yeah. But um, yeah, this stuff is is really really crazy, and um, we obviously talk a lot about insiderish stuff, but this stuff also like I don't I don't know if it's good, I don't know if it's bad. It does. I mean, I feel like we've kind of we spent a lot of time on it, so we're gonna move on, but. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to know what other people think about it because I haven't really formed a, uh, a firm opinion on it. I just wonder what it means. Like, what does it all mean? Yeah, you know, I mean? it's, it's one of those things where we're just gonna have to keep kind of keep an eye on it and, and see until more answers come out. I mean, what what are your feelings as far as like? Um, what are you hoping will happen? Like, what do you what do you hope will happen, and what do you um, like? What do you think? Personally, uh, you know, I hope that as like you know, as an elite fan, I do hope the elite stays with New Japan and Ring of Honor. Uh, you know, we both have tickets for MSG for WrestleMania weekend next year. Uh, you know, I'm hoping to see Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Hangman Page, Marty Scurll, and Cody all a part of MSG in big matches. Uh, now, what do I think will happen? I mean. It, like I'm still kind of firmly believing that I have a hard time seeing them leaving, but again, like we mentioned, there are options outside of New Japan and Ring of Honor for them. But I don't know. I mean, I I feel like MSG is a big enough deal that those guys will want to perform in MSG. Hmm. 
I think that they probably will want to perform there, but I don't know if that necessarily means. I'm sure there's a lot of things they want. I'm sure every year they want to perform at WrestleMania. Right, right, right. <laughs> it doesn't mean they're going to WWE. Um, oh, another thing, too, to kind of talk, since we're already on the topic, there was uh, some um, Twitter, like, uh, interactions between Kenny Omega and Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins saying he wanted to wrestle. Kenny Omega and Kenny Omega saying that he could think of a pretty historic location for them to do that. Right. And then Tommaso Ciampa coming out and just trolling both of them. Right. Like the winner of that could face me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was which is pretty funny. But um, I'm I am leaning towards the idea that they're leaving at this point. Okay. And I think that I more so had been since the show started. Yeah, I feel like since yeah, since we've been talking about this, you have been leaning more towards them going. I've been leaning more towards them staying. It's just for me, money talks. Yeah. And Vince has got the most. And if they're gonna make that money, now's the time to do it. Um that's what I'm thinking. All and also like the direction of their characters, the direction of their um, interactions in the company, even if it's just very recently, hasn't been the most uh, faith-inspiring. It makes me feel like they're kind of maybe being phased out a little bit, as weird as that sounds, even though Kenny's probably the wrestler of the year this year, and even though the Bucks are probably the tag team of the year, and, and, you know, they're making all this money, it just feels different. It does. It's feeling different now. I would love for them to stay because I think they're super talents. I think that they need to be. My my problem has never been with them being involved in New Japan or being a Western commodity. I mean, they've been here for years. It's the utilization of their talents, and I don't think, recently speaking, it's been the best. But at the same time, I I hope they stay. But I also think that the company will be totally, totally fine if they leave. Yeah, I mean, they've been setting in place, you know, Switchblade, Jay White's going to be, you know, a big star moving forward. Uh, I mean, you know, there's a bunch of other guys that they have been, you know, working on this year that can easily step into, you know, step up. It's time for them to step up and take spots. You know, Juice Robinson could step up in a bigger role. There's a lot of guys. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of guys that... You know, I mean, a company only has so many spots. I mean, that's just the, the the fact of the matter. And there's a there's so much actual talent in that company that yeah, there's plenty of there's plenty of spots. If they leave, they'll be fine. Yeah. I I don't know if the Bullet Club or if the Elite will be fine. Hmm. I, I don't know if they will be. You know, that's a that's always a gamble. Look at look at what they've done to Prince Dev. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look at what they've done to Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, they're definitely bigger household names internationally than they ever were because it's the biggest stage. But, I mean, they're not what you thought that they would have been when they got brought over. Look yeah. at look at uh, Gallows and Anderson. And arguably look at AJ Styles right now. I mean, he had a great first year, but look at him right now. I mean, and it's not just them. I mean, I get, WWE does that to everybody they bring up from NXT. I mean, they just don't know how to handle talent. They don't know how to make stars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so. yeah. But we're going to move on. So, yeah. um, well, I think let's uh, let's finish off these questions. Oh, we still got more questions. Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Finish off the questions and then we'll roll into a, So everybody wants to talk about this then. Uh, well, the rest of the questions are not really related to this. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so we'll finish these questions and then we'll roll into Power Struggle or the Super Junior Tag League preview. 
Um, so the next question comes from Reddit user Muzza underscore 44. This is a tough one. If you had to release one of these wrestlers from New Japan Pro Wrestling, who would it be? Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tetsuya Naito, or Kazuchika Okada? Hiroshi Tanahashi. Ooh. <laughs> You're quick on that one. <laughs> I, it's a very logical and easy question to answer. Mm-hmm. Um... And there's probably people whose like hearts just dropped when I said that. And my heart breaks a little bit saying that too. Yeah. But if if you're just talking about handling talent, um, and you had to release somebody, how do you get rid of Tetsuya Naito or, or Kazushika Okada? Right. I mean, those guys are younger. They're in their prime. They they have a lot more to offer for the future. You just can't. You you simply can't. And I don't. I mean, luckily, this is not a real scenario that's probably ever going to happen. Right, yeah. I don't think any of those guys are leaving unless the Dave Meltzer reports are true and they're right. just fed up and Okada is going... We're going to see Okada in the impact zone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, no, that's not happening. But, I mean, w- what's the answer for you? I mean, man, it's so tough. I mean, I the most logical answer would be Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, just- if, if you're the booker... You got the book. Man. It's tough. <laughs> it's tough, man. Uh, yeah, I guess I'd have to go Tanahashi. Oh, man. I, I almost felt like you were going to say Naito for some reason. No, I mean, you hear the, the pops Naito gets. L.I.J. is super over. So you're... what? Which two were you so torn between? I'm torn between all of them, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's not one specific. It's just like, how do you... Have to, why would you choose between three super talents like this? Absolutely. What are you doing to us, Muzza? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, then we have a question from Reddit user H Part Two. He says, "Now that we're almost a year removed, do you think Okada beating Naito at Wrestle Kingdom was a right call? What would you have done with with them post Wrestle Kingdom had the result been reversed?" That's a great question. What do you think? Um, I do think Okada beating Naito at Wrestle Kingdom was the right call. If Okada did not beat Naito, we would have not we have not got the Dominion match, the two out of three probably. Uh, and just a lot of other storyline stuff that has happened this year. Uh, I don't think we would have we would have gotten. And Naito, yes, he's not been in the forefront like he has in past years, but he's still one of the most over guys in the company. Um, Lij is still selling, you know, some of the most merch, and he has not been completely hurt by this, and he can easily be put right back into the title picture. Yeah, and you know, you could also, you know, the Tanahashi matches with Okada uh, would not gotten with if Naito had won. Yeah, that's true. Those matches wouldn't have happened. I don't know necessarily that that's the strongest argument necessarily, just because. New Japan has so many talented people and such great booking that they could do any combination of guys at any point in the year and have blow-away matches. I think where you have to look to see if this was actually a good idea or not is the business side of it and look at the first half of the year that they did with uh, Okada on top and how, and how much business they did. Could they have done that with Naito? Maybe. Did they do that with Okada? Yes. Definitely. How could that have been a bad decision if if business business was was at the strongest that it's ever been? Yeah. And since they took the title of Okada, 
business has slightly been down. Um, I'm not saying necessarily that I'm not diminishing what the uh, you know the bull club guys offer and what they do, and I think that they are a huge reason why New Japan is where they're at right now. So I'm not diminishing that at all, but you have to look at the immediate consequences and that Okada winning at the Tokyo Dome set up that title reign like you said and we got that series of defenses that people were just tuned into and glued and from a historical perspective it was important from a storyline perspective it was important from a business perspective um, and like you said I, Tetsuya Naito is still the hottest guy I think sometimes maybe for management they might feel that this guy is so hot and so over that he doesn't actually need the belt. Right. There's a lot of times where you see top talent throughout history who the bookers are like, why would we put the belt on you? You don't need it. You're, you're, you're already so yeah, over. Yeah. You don't need anything else to yeah. get. Yeah. Now, I do think that, you know, Naito fans, and I'm amongst them, he has to have that crowning moment at some point. Um, I know a lot of people thought that that was going to be the moment, but... My only big problem with the whole story was that I thought that they were going... I thought the guy was so hot that they were going to use it as a way to get babyface sympathy on him, turn it around, and later in the year, give him the title. And I thought they were going to keep Kenny Omega away because they were doing this whole Kenny Omega Bullet Club Civil War. And they said, (laughs) we're going to basically halt the Civil War, put the title on Kenny throw everything in a disarray and completely ignore Naito and leave him on the back burner and put him into several confusing, meaningless, you know, feuds. Yeah. And that's where my problem's been. It's never been that Naito lost the title. It's been the, the, uh, what they've done with him afterwards. Um, so if Naito wins the belt at Wrestle Kingdom, what, what would you, what would you do with him afterwards? I don't know. I'm not really a great fantasy booker. Mm -hmm. I mean, my, gut instinct is to maybe do something similar to what they wound up doing. Maybe you do the Broken Okada storyline early and then you have Naito basically hold on to the belt up until Dominion and then you do a a program with him and Kenny or something of that nature Mm -hmm. or a program with him and and Okada later on. I don't know. I'm always big into the redemption storyline so maybe Okada has to redeem himself later at the half year um, but I think most Naito fans want to see him have a really lengthy year long title run something yeah. like that which makes sense um, so they want to see him be the ace like the top guy yeah and yeah it's an interesting time because o- Okada was that guy but they've kind of taken him out of that role and it feels like it's in transit we don't know immediately right now who it is but I mean what would you have done so for me, I mean, I think, you know, I would still pair him up with guys like Tanahashi for title offense, um, you know, possibly, you know, Okada rematch at some point in the year. The thing is, you know, I'm a big Kenny Omega fan, and so it's hard, you know, in a fantasy booking situation, you know, I, I would want to get the belt on Kenny at some point. So at some point, I think I would have Kenny beat Naito for the belt, maybe at a Dominion in the same kind of point. My one thing though is I think Kenny beating Naito for the belt might not have had the same sort of impact that him eventually beating Okada okay. for the belt had. Right. My only thing with Kenny, I'm a Kenny fan too. I just don't like Kenny's title reign so far. Yeah. 
I think some people would probably criticize that and say, well, he had such a great G1. How can you be critical of it? And it's like, yeah, but they didn't set up any future title defenses. And then we wound up, except for the Ishii one, which was amazing. It was great. Well, not as good as their G1 match, but no, it was still, it was no, still very good. It wasn't. I just don't. I think they left him hanging out to dry afterwards, sort of. And yeah. it, it has seemed like he has the belt, but he doesn't feel like the guy, even though he has the title. Now, I think that they are working to rectify that at Wrestle Kingdom. But if they turn around and they put the belt on Tanahashi, it's going to be like his title reign will be somewhat lackluster if that is what happens. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Rich. He says, who would you have Cody defend the U.S. belt against first? Does the fact that I don't care who Kenny or who Cody defends the belt against tell you something? <laughs> and I'm a and I'm a big I'm a Cody guy. Yeah. I like Cody. And I think it I, it made sense to a certain degree to put the U.S. title on the American Nightmare, the NWA champion, all that. I get that. But who he the guy's hardly around right feels kind of like a Jericho situation all over again another I think that's another reason why people are like the westernization it's like these guys are go you're putting belts on guys that are going away and they're not like on these tours right they, they don't they're not setting up fuse or anything yeah there's nothing set up I who do you want to see him face I mean honestly looking at the schedule I don't think he's going to defend the belt until Wrestle Kingdom and so come to that point I mean I really hope that Juice Juice, Juice Robinson that's the only guy I want to see beat him for the belt yeah I think Juice needs that redemption and Juice needs to beat him that's the only guy I want to see wrestle Cody for the belt because it feels like he should never took the title from him to begin with right so yeah I, I'm right there I'm like Juice I don't know who else I mean is there an alternative is there someone else you can even think of that you're like should Maybe Jay White with this whole Bullet Club, Bullet Club storyline. Yeah, you could do that. You could do that. Uh, that would actually make sense, yeah. Outside of that, I I don't know who would you would... I'm like, Tama? Fale? No. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I want Juice to take the bell off him. Yeah. Uh, then the last question come, also comes from Reddit user DomHomie101. He wants to know what our thoughts on this whole WWE and Saudi Arabia situation oh. <laughs> and what would be our reaction if it was New Japan doing shows in Saudi Arabia. I didn't think we were going to have to talk about this. <laughs> um, I didn't think we were going to have to talk about this. I don't think we should spend a lot of time about this, but uh, essentially, if you don't know, it's been this is the big story of the week. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, like this is the big news story. So, um, there was a journalist who basically was critical of the Saudi Arabian government, and he got killed uh, in his own embassy. Um, and there's video footage. There are, I mean, the Saudi government screwed. Like it's it's public knowledge what they did. It's not even. It, it, this is an unprecedented thing that's been done, and I won't go into deep detail about what they did, um, you, because it's it's very 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 graphic. But I mean, there no government has ever done this before on this sort of stage or this sort of level. Um, so it's very troubling. It's a very very tr- and it's put WWE into a very difficult position um, 
I mean, Jeremy, you watch that product more than I do, and you're probably following this more so than I am. I mean, what are your what are you thinking? Yeah, you know, they, you know, some officials have been urging kind of WWE to not do the show um, as of right now. Is their governor? Yeah. Uh, I mean, as of right now, Crown Jewel is still set to take place. Uh, you know, they're, they're not planning on canceling the show unless, you know, pretty much Donald Trump himself says, don't, you, you guys cannot go over there and do that show. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of a weird situation. It's like... It's difficult because they're like, a, they're a PR company and they want to have good PR, but they got in bed with a... With a... Uh, corrupt government. Yeah, that, that that was already like a very um, volatile situation to, to be... They got brought over to, to do propaganda for them, is, right. is exactly what it is. And, you know, they're, you know... They're supposed to be, you know, pushing women, but they're going to countries that don't respect women's rights. Oh, we don't want to bring that up because New Japan doesn't have women. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a whole big thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it, it is a, it's a very uh, crazy situation. But the deal with them is, like, they want to save face, but then they have a 10-year deal with this country. And it's worth a lot of money. No one even knows, but that they the reports estimate somewhere around like four hundred, five hundred million dollars um, over a ten year period. They don't want to blow up the deal because um, it's business, and and also they they don't just have to appease the public; they have to appease their shareholders, those who are invested. I mean, look at the stock prices, and their stocks are have been plummeting over the past yeah uh, few days too, um, which is very also very interesting. Now. What would we do if New Japan had done this? Well, interesting enough, New Japan has done something like this in the past. Uh, for those who don't remember, they ran shows in North Korea um, in the 90s under Inoki. Um, but I think it was a different time where, you know, the internet wasn't really a thing. And it is one of the, like, crazier... You look at the Collision in Korea cards and the stuff with Ric Flair and Muhammad Ali and the, those reports are very, very... And that was propaganda as well uh, at the time. So it's not like New Japan's never done something like this ever yeah. before. Um, but then again, they the the relations with North Korea at that time were much different than what they turned what they are now or have been over the past you know decade. So it's not exactly the same thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's probably not a good idea to do business uh, as a private company over there. <laughs> uh, that's pro- that. I mean, that's my take on it. But yeah. They, it's a lot of money. You know, we wonder about, like, if the, the elite guys are going to WWE, we're like, oh, they're getting all this money. It's like, well, will WWE go over to Saudi Arabia? It's like, yeah, they're getting all this money. Like, makes perfect sense. Like, money talks. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, for WWE... They've had situations in the past where it's been a bad look on them, but over time they've been able to overcome it. You know, you look at um, like the Benoit situation, a lot of like the steroid scandals, and just some other yes. stuff that they've been involved in, in the past that kind of give a bad look um, on their company. Uh, over time, they were able to, you know, people forget over. You know, over time, and they're they're able to just overcome some of these difficult situations that they find themselves in. You know, yeah, I think that that's one of the things where, um, you know, WWE's trying to weigh out their uh, their options here to see 
what the best decision from a PR standpoint is because WWE is kind of like a niche entertainment product. Is this something where it's going to become an internet? They're trying everything in their power to still do the show without there being a big blowback from it. Right. And so they're hoping that this will be something that just kind of blows over. They go do their show, they collect their check, and they get out of Dodge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're hoping that, like, <laughs> they're hoping that no one really pays attention to it, which is not what WWE usually... They want, like, they want TMZ, and they want... Right. Now they're like, no one talk about it. No one, they're, they're, they're like that little kid who, like... You're playing hide and go seek, and they put their hands over their eyes, and they hope like everyone like can't see them that they've turned invisible or something. <laughs> like that's what that is. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't have too many thoughts on it. I it's a crazy, crazy situation. I mean, um, like you said, WWE's, you know, they the whole Chris Benoit thing, and they they survived that. They survived the steroid allegations in the '90s. They survived like the the like sex stuff that was going on in the 80s with like you know the the ring boys and you guys if you don't know about that you should look into that um all the, the different sexual allegations with Vince McMahon they've 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 yeah. overcome a lot of like bad publicity and stuff over the years and you know th- that's one of the reasons why like you know wrestling in general does have kind of like people have a low opinion of it because the kind of characters and people that are involved in that business and industry it makes sense, but WWE as a, as a company, they just keeps trying to save face, keep doing their charity works, Coman, be right. a star, warrior, whatever, and then but they're doing these shows in Saudi, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I mean overall, I mean personally, I, I think they should pull out from doing the shows, but again, I don't know what kind of deal they sign. I don't know what a contract agreement, like what. My my whole thing is like I'd probably be critical if New Japan went over there, but then at the same time, if they put on like a Dominion level card, <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'd probably be about it. Like that. <laughs> well, that card was fire though. Yeah, that card was fire, you know. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So uh, <laughs> that wraps up oh, uh, all the questions for this I'm week. I'm so sick and I'm so sore. And I'm, <laughs> We're saying stupid stuff on the air. <laughs> uh, so, um, by the time you're listening to this, the, uh, <laughs> the... They put it on a Dominion level card, though. <laughs> uh, uh, Okada and Omega had a six-star match in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Yo, you didn't hear about the seven-star match in Saudi? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh my, yeah, like, freaking A. Actually, I'd probably be bad. I'd be like, get that money, New Japan. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but uh, by the time you're hearing this show, you probably um, would have seen some of the opening matches of the Super Junior Tag League. It starts, we're recording on Monday, October 15th. Maybe turn- maybe they've seen it. Yeah. I feel like a, essentially it's a road to show. A lot of our listeners, I feel like... Probably know, won't watch it. They, they uh, like depend on us for that. Yeah. You know? So uh, the tournament, it starts... Uh, tomorrow tuesday october 16th so depending on what time zone you're in you know we're in the eastern time zone but so by the time we wake up um, the show will be up on new japan world so you're what you're essentially telling me is that like junior g1 tag league starts tomorrow basically and yeah. like i have to start watching shows like it's the g1 all over again yes 
but it's I'm not ready for this. <laughs> it's not as many shows. It is a single block tournament, round robin tournament. Right. Um, you know, this is last year normally the Super Junior tournament is a single elimination uh bracket style tournament. Yeah. First year they're doing a block format. It's one block round robin. Um, we are doing a prediction contest. Um, by the time you hear this, the um, the prediction entries will be closed. So don't think you can be smart and watch the first show and try and get picks in because I'm going to close that form off when we're done recording here. Uh, so, you know, shout out to everybody who's entered in the contest so far. Uh, good luck. Hopefully, you know, you got the right picks and you get the t shirt. But um, so let's preview this tag league, young boy, and let's look at the teams that are in here and kind of uh, look at who we think um, is going to win this thing. Sure. I'm very excited to do this. And actually, um, it's interesting because it is it is unprecedented in the sense that obviously we've seen lots of block tournaments and things like that, but there's there hasn't been a junior tag league single block. So it's the first time. So it's like... Sometimes when you're trying to predict this sort of thing, you kind of look back at past results and see what are some of the booking trends, kind of get an idea what your thoughts are. But they have never done this, so it's it's brand new. Even though it's still the Junior Tag League, it's it's brand new. Yeah. And so we have eight teams that we're looking at here. And, uh, yeah, let's go down the list and let's talk about these. Yeah, so first let's talk about the current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Champions, El Desperado, Yoshinabu Kanamaru, representing Suzuki-Goon. What are your thoughts on this team? So Desperado and Kanamaru have been holding on to the belts for quite a, uh, you know, they've had a lengthy run this year. Um, they've been very heavily established as one of the mainstays of the junior tag division, which looking at this uh, this tournament so far, I mean, we've got them and Rapongi 3K are the only two, unless you want to count Liger and Tiger, they're the only two really, truly established junior tag, like, tag teams. So I imagine that them, with them holding the belts... And them being one of the like dependable tag teams for this division, they're gonna go far and they're gonna do very well. They might even factor into the finals, um, you know, into the actual finals themselves. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things we talked about last week. You know, we're so used to the junior tag titles kind of being hot potatoed throughout the year, but they really stuck with uh, Desperado and Kanamaru. I mean, they're getting ready to. Um, beat the Young Bucks uh, junior tag title reign, which was uh, 224 days. Um, so they're going to beat that by the time this tournament is over. Um, I do expect them not to take many losses in this tournament. I'm assuming it's going to be similar to uh, G1, where if they lose, whatever team beats them could be um, lined up for a future junior tag title shot. Yeah. Um, but I don't see them taking many losses. Um, you know, in my bracket, I think I have them, you know, end up uh, being uh, third um, overall in the rankings. Yeah. One thing, though, is, you know, you want to turn around and give credit to New Japan for sticking with one team, but then at the same time, we're talking about how there's so few teams. I mean, there's essentially three mainstay tag junior tag teams this past year: Rapongi 3K, 
Suzuki Goon, and then you had um, Bushi and Takahashi. And they were all feuding with each other at the beginning of the year. So it's not like there's a lot of room. They've had only a few title defenses in this whole time. So even if you're sitting here being like, yeah, they didn't hot potato the title rounds. Like, how could they have? Unless they just want to hot potato it between those three teams. Right. There wasn't a lot of options for them to do so. Uh, But I think that New Japan would be wise to... Uh, make them look strong, especially since they're probably going to be lined up for some sort of title defense going out of... I mean, whoever wins the, the tag league is getting some sort of title shot, shot in the yeah. future. Probably at Wrestle Kingdom. You would think so, although who knows, they might end up doing a multi-man match again at, at Wrestle Kingdom. But yeah, you would assume mm-hmm. something of that nature. So... um yeah, now I'm not a huge fan of Kanemaru and Desperado. I'm really not. I, I Despi's really Im- impressed me this past year, and Kanemaru is serviceable. I mean, you know, I'm not com- being super complainative, but their matches are very formulaic. They all the shenanigans, yeah. all the smoke, all the mirror. Yep, all that. So I mean, it's <clears> not <throat> like I sit here and I get super excited, but they've been good this year as a, as a team, and I think that they'll they'll be fine in this tournament. Um, I expect them to. I don't think they're going to drop more than two matches in the tournament out of yeah. out of what they're going to have seven. Everybody has uh, seven matches. Yeah. So on the sixteenth, they'll take on Kushida and Saban. Um, the 17th, they'll take on Rapungi 3K. On the 19th, they'll take on ACH and Taguchi. The 23rd, they'll take on Ishimori and Eagles. On the 26th, they'll take on Volador and Soberano. On the 27th, they'll take on Bushi and Shingo. And then their last match is on the 28th against Liger and Tiger. Yes, yeah, so I expect them to finish with, like, say, 10 points or somewhere between 8 and 10 points if they... Uh if they were to, like, say, drop one to Liger and Tiger at the end, I wouldn't be too surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Liger and Tiger to kind of get, like, the uh, the spiritual victory over them or something like that. <laughs> um, after, you know, Liger and Tiger basically lose a lot in the tournament and then get, get like, a surprise. a surprise win at the end. I would not be surprised by that at all. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Kanemaru and Desperado, they're going to be cheating. They're going to be spraying Satori specials and people hitting yep. people with glass bottles. Yep. All, all, all that. Ripping masks. They're, oh, they're oh. going to be jumping guys. So, yeah, they're going to get down and dirty. I mean, they're going to they're gonna be like the heel team to beat in this tournament. Yeah. So, the next team we want to talk about is Rapungi 3K Show and Yo representing Chaos. They won the Super Junior Tag Team last year. Remember, they, they came in, you know, blazing hot last year. They won the Junior Tag Titles, and they came in and won the Super uh, Junior Tag League. Um, so, what are you thinking about Rapungi 3K in this tournament? Well, Rapungi 3K is... I mean, there's no denying it. They don't have the titles right now, but they are the lifeblood of the junior tag uh, of the junior tag uh, division. Um, they're the best team. They've been fantastic this past year in so many different ways. Whether it be their singles runs through the uh, the best of the super juniors, whether it be their title runs in the early part of the year, or just you know being the shining light in multi tag tag team matches all throughout the year um yeah show and yo are are the team to beat and i think they're the team that everybody's going to be gunning for in this tournament um and i expect them to like for they're my they're my pick to win this yeah they're also my pick to win too and also several of the people 
uh, several listeners who have entered in our prediction contest, a lot of people have show and yo winning this thing. Do um. With that being said, like, do you? Uh, well, oh yeah, I was gonna say something. So, um, looking over the results, you know, nobody has ever won the junior tag league twice. So obviously they won the junior tag team, uh, the junior tag league last year for the first time. Um, and they they were already the champions. And then they won the junior tag league, so right. they were the first champions to ever win the league. And then it really like catapulted them into having like a great you know first like debut basically because they were brand. They were, I mean obviously they'd been here before, but reemergence and redebut as as an actual team. Um, so I mean. You could do wonders for them if you turn around and you do it again, right? Because I mean, I th- I think what they're personally what what I see and why I picked Rapungi Three K to win is I they've been telling this story all year of Rapungi Three K not being able to beat Desperado and Kanemaru for the belts once they lost them, and so winning the tournament here would give them that one last shot. To prove that they can beat Kanemaru or Desperado, and I feel like that would happen at Wrestle Kingdom, and they would finally get the win back and get the belts back. What if they? What if Kanemaru and Desperado end up going to the finals against, like, like let's say Rapongi 3K, mm-hmm. and they turn it into a title match? Hmm. And then that way it kind of foregoes the whole. Because I mean, we're in. It'll be November, and then you know the whole two month wait and the two month build to Wrestle Kingdom. You could just do it there, basically, and then kind of free up your booking options going into Wrestle Kingdom following that. You know, um, I don't. I'm not saying they're going to do that, but that is one option they have. Yeah. So, uh, what their schedule is looking like on the 16th? They'll have Bushi and Chingo. On the 17th, they'll have Kanemaru and Desperado. On the 20th, they will have Ishimori and Eagles. On the 22nd, they'll have Liger and Tiger. On the 26th, they'll have ACH and Taguchi. On the 27th, they'll have Volador and Soberano. And on the 1st of November, they'll have Kushida and Sabin. Um, so the next team, oh, yeah, you were gonna say something? No. Nope. Oh, the next team we have are Bushi and Shingo Takagi, representing Los Ingobernables de Japón. Um, the guy he's been in this uh, junior tag league several times with multiple different partners. Uh, last year he was in the tournament with Hiromu, and they lost in the semifinals. So new partner here, you know Shingo, hot out the gates of Dragon Gate, uh, big debut at King of Pro Wrestling. What do you think? Uh, what are you thinking about Shingo and Bushi? I think that this is another team that is favored heavily by most uh, fans of the product to go to the finals because of the fact that that LIJ is such a hot commodity and Shingo making his debut just very recently. They want to basically have him make an impact, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won the whole thing at this point either. And I'm very torn because that that's kind of my backup pick and I right. I'm almost like inclined to actually Yeah, all all the people who have submitted brackets there it's it's pretty much a toss up between Rapungi 3K and LIJ right now. Are we going to wind up buying a lot of people's shirts because all the brackets are the same? or like? Well, I haven't gone through every individual match. We'll have to take a look. Right. That's probably going to make, make... We'll make, need a tiebreaker probably yeah, for yeah. this because it's a single... Uh, it's a Around you know, single block. Yeah. There's a good chance that we might need to do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm very excited. You know, I've... I'm critical of Bushi. I'm I'm not his biggest fan or anything. I do see them beating Sho and Yo on the first night, though. Yeah, I also I think 
because the way I have my bracket set up, I have them beating Show and Yo the first night, and then the finals ends up being Show and Yo against Lij, and Show and Yo get the win back to win the tournament. I think it's great having um, potentially three juniors in Lij once uh, Hiromu does come back, because at that point you could hypothetically have any combination of the three go after the tag. Uh, titles and then maybe free up the other guy to be, um, you know, involved in the actual junior singles junior title, in the sing- singles division as well. So that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, I I think Takagi is going to be just and like I love tag teams where you have the the power guy and then the the high flyer, which is what you get with Bushi and Takagi. We haven't seen them work together yet, so I don't know, but I imagine. I mean. If you've ever seen Takagi and Dragon Gate work junior matches, I mean, like I said last week, they work at such a fast pace. He's going to bring something different and more and very dynamic um, to this entire tournament. So he's like the guy that I've kind of got like a little star over. Yeah. I think he's going to have a, um, a very, very impressive showing in this tournament. And one of the reasons why I didn't pick... Takagi and Bushi to win is because if you look at what's happened this year in New Japan, they have brought in a lot of new guys that have gotten pushes in tournaments and they have not won. Right. Taiji Ishimori, he came in the best of Super Juniors, had a huge push. He beat Osprey on the first night. Everybody thought he was going to win the whole thing, didn't win the whole thing. You know, um, and there's just been other guys that have kind of come in throughout the year. Uh, I mean, Will. I mean, um, Zack Saber Jr. I was he, gonna say, but then Zach, you gotta look at Zack Saber Jr. He did win the New Japan Cup, but he didn't end up winning the title. Right. Um, so, but they, they could easily. I mean, what you could hypothetically do, and I think that this is a lot of people's thinking, is like, you you take Bushi and Tagagi, you have them win the tournament. People are like, oh well, what about Shonyo? Shonyo, let's be clear here, they're gonna be involved in the in the junior tag title match, uh, yeah. match at Wrestle Kingdom. There's no way that you don't do that. So, just because Shonyo don't win doesn't mean that they won't be involved in some sort of junior tag title match at Wrestle Kingdom. Right. I mean, you could have a scenario where Shingo and Bushi win the tournament, but during the tournament, Rapungi 3K pinned Desperado and Kanemaru, and that was the only loss they had. So then Rapungi 3K has a claim to the shot, and you do a three-way. That's That would be a good booking decision, and I, I could definitely see that being the case. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. And, and you actually laying out this scenario kind of... Um, you might be selling me a bit. Me, <laughs> um, so they're scheduled on the 16th. They have Rapungi 3K. 17th, they'll take on Kushida and Saban. On the 19th, they'll take on Liger and Tiger. The 22nd, they got Volador and Soberano. On the 26th, they got Ishimori and Eagles. On the 27th, they got Kanemaru and Desperado. And on the 29th, they have ACH and Taguchi. Mm. So then the next team we got, we have the Friends of Shelly. The current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Kushida, and Chris Sabin. Hail Sabin. Yeah, so um, this is an interesting team. I think we kind of actually talked about during the Best of Super Juniors how these guys would make a great team together. Yeah. And then, uh, so it's kind of like, it is funny, it's like a reemergence of the time splitters, but just in a different way. I do wonder if they're going to give them an actual team name if the, or if this is just like a one-off sort of situation. Um, yeah, and I mean, Kushida and Sabin, um, 
they they had a match earlier this year where it was like a mirror match when they wrestled sort of scenario. Um, I think that it's great because with Kushida, you can establish other rivalries and and forward other storylines with him being the champion. Um, I don't see them factoring into the finals in any way. The three teams that we've gone over, for the, for the most part, are the three teams that I see most likely being in the finals. Mm-hmm. I don't see Kushida and Saban being there. Um, I do think Saban's there to take pinfalls. Yeah, definitely. They're going to protect Kushida as a champion. And Kushida's only going to lose if it's going to be for somebody to set up a... You know, maybe Taiji Ishimori pins him to help set up the, the Wrestle Kingdom junior title match. That would make sense. But, yeah, many guys are not going to pin Kushida. If, if somebody's getting pinned, it's definitely going to be Saban. Uh, Kushida's also a former winner of this tournament in 2012. Him and Alex Shelley uh, won the tournament. What if Taguchi rolls up Kushida again like he did during the junior... That that they'll probably do a callback to that as a as a false finish. Do you remember how crazy that was? Yeah. Oh my! He beat him in like two minutes. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. So I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to this scene. You know, I've mentioned before, I'm a big fan of Chris Saban. Um, so I'm glad to see him back on this tour. And you know, him and um, I'm really not like I'm 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 saying the positive things I can say about it, but um. I'm not a big fan of a lot of these, you know, New Japan stars teaming up with, uh, like, Ring of Honor guys or or outside guys. Um, It just seems, like, makeshift and thrown together. I know that they've had to do that in the past, but it it is one of the criticisms I have about the junior tag division in general. It's like, do we we need these titles? Do we need this tournament? Um, I don't want to be overly critical because, obviously, there's a lot of talent here and they're going to have great matches. So how much can you really complain about it? But I mean, I mean, come on. We know that Chris Saban and Kushida is not winning this thing. Like, it's very, 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 it's very obvious. You right. know what I mean? So right. that's why I'm kind of like, eh. It makes me be like, do I want to watch their matches? Also, I, and Chris Saban, uh, as good as he still is, he's not a guy that really does a lot for me right now at this point in his career. After, like, the Super Juniors, I, I wasn't loving a lot of his matches there. I just, I thought he had a, a certain. Like, he had a high floor, but a low ceiling. He was, like, right in the middle. Yeah. And uh, I haven't loved his work in Ring of Honor this year either, so it, I'm kind of like, I could do without this team, honestly, but y- you got to have Kushida in the tournament, so what do you do? You, you book him with, you know, yeah, Alex Shelley's friend. <laughs> it, it's like a constellation, basically, to me. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess I, I still hold on to the Chris Saban of the past, and uh, I don't know. I've always been a big fan of that guy, so... I feel like they'll, they're going to be they're going to have some good matchups as a team. Obviously, I don't think they're going to win either, but um, I guess we'll see what happens there. I um, hope they have good matches. Like, there's no reason that this shouldn't be a really good tournament. But then again, it's all pretty much like road two shows. It does make you wonder how seriously guys are going to take this tournament. Mm-hmm. They've never really done one like like a block, and so I guess this will be our chance to see how successful this format can and can't be. Um, I don't know that I am super excited that it is a whole block tournament. There is a part of me that's like the single elimination. We're going to have another block, ter- you know, a World Tag League here in like a month. I don't know that they needed to do this. I guess it makes sense for the touring model to do something to this extent. But I almost, I'm almost like, I just feel like Kushida and Saban are guys that are going to mail it in. I feel like, you know, Kenamar and Desperado are going to mail. I feel like there's a lot of guys in here that I'm like, 
they could have great matches, or they could mail it in, or they could just mail it in. I'm very nervous and skeptical about this this whole thing. So uh, their schedule on the 16th they'll face Kanemaru and Desperado. 17th they got Bushi and Shingo. The 19th they have Liger and Tiger. 22nd they got Volador and Soberano. On the 26th they got Ishimori and Eagles. On the 27th they got uh, well, it's showing Kanemaru and Desperado again. That's not right. Um, where are you getting your sources from, Jeremy? <laughs> so that must be... Um, I'm actually looking at uh, Voices of Wrestling right here. Those guys are hacks. <laughs> so one of those... So the 27th, it looks like it should be Rapungi 3K. And then the uh, 29th will be ACH and Taguchi. Okay. That'll be good. Yeah. Them against Taguchi and uh, Super 69 team, that'll be very interesting. Uh, so the next team we have is uh, the Bullet Club team, the Bullet Club OG team of Taiji Ishimori and Robbie Eagles. Um, obviously, you know, Ishimori joined the Bullet Club this year, came in with the Best of Super Junior Tournament. Robbie Eagles is a standout from Australia. It's being brought in to team with Ishimori here, probably due to the relationship in Australia and just probably somebody that Fale um, has had his eyes on. Um, so, obviously, it's going to be their first time teaming together. So, it's going to be interesting to see how they work together. This is arguably the most dynamic and athletic team um, in the entire tournament. Um, we haven't seen a lot of Eagles, but from what all the reports say and what all the uh, the rumors are, like, he is incredible. And, obviously, Ishimori is a dynamo as well. Um, and I think that this is the team that I'm – pegging to be like the standout MVP team of the tournament already um, there's no reason that they shouldn't be like it's they're gonna be awesome together um, I don't know what like Robbie Eagles persona on camera in New Japan is gonna be being affiliated with the OG Bullet Club mm-hmm. um, but I'm very excited for this team more so than any other team that that's here and they are like the dark horse of the tournament not a lot of people are picking them to win but I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the finals. Yeah, I mean, Ishimori, we've, we've seen him in Best of Super Juniors, how close he was to winning that. And he's definitely a guy that they're, you know, pushing. I mean, he's right now he's one of the never six-man tag champs. He's been heavily involved in this whole Bullet Club OG stuff. Uh, Robbie Eagles, you know, I've, I've only seen clips and heard great reports. But and they're, they're calling him the uh, the sniper of the skies. Um, That's like the aerial assassin. <laughs> the uh, sniper of the skies. Like that's a terrible nickname. You know, the aerial assassin's also like a terrible nickname as well. Like <laughs> they need to they need to get different gimmicks. Like. But um, yeah, man. I mean, the only reason why I'd be inclined to say no, they probably won't be in the finals is because Robbie Eagles, we don't know his status. We don't, you know what I mean? It feels, this kind of feels reminiscent of when Michael Elgin teamed up with Michael Cobb last year. uh, Jeff Cobb? (laughs) Yeah, Michael Cobb. Jeff Cobb. And uh, that team did very well, but didn't wind up being in the finals, you know, due to their status, you know, with Jeff Cobb. And it was like a tryout, basically, for Jeff Cobb. And I feel like this is a tryout for Robbie Eagles. That's the main reason why I'm not going to pick them or say that they're going to win. Um, and, uh, but who knows? I mean, I, I think they're pushing Ishimori a lot, and we don't know what their plans are for Robbie Eagles. He could be signed. Right. We have no idea. And uh, two years ago, Ishimori was actually in the finals of the Super Junior Tag League. Uh, he was teaming up with ACH at the time. 
So Ishimori is a guy who's been in this tournament before. He's been in the finals before as, you know, not being a full-time New Japan guy. Now he is a full-time New Japan guy. So, it, you know, like you mentioned, it's a, it's a dark horse team. They they can easily find them, themselves in the finals. Yes. Uh, but I think that's the team to look out for. I'm That's the team where, like, I'm like, I can't wait to see them see face Rapongi 3K. Yeah, I feel like they're going to be the MVP. They could be the MVPs of this thing. Them and the Luchadors, I cannot wait to see those those two teams go at it. Um, I'm very excited to see them go up against Bushi and, and Takagi. Them and Liger and Tiger Mask is going to be really, really good. Um, the, seeing them interact with ACH and Taguchi's, I mean, that is, the, for me, that's the team that every single night, no matter who they're against, like, because I've seen Cho and Yo go against almost all these guys, not to say that there's some, like, titillating, like, matchups, but, like, Ishimori and Eagles are, like, this X factor we don't know what to expect. We haven't seen enough of Ishimori this year, like, because he's been so great, and we haven't seen enough of him being great. Right. To where I'm, like, I'm all in on Ishimori. I want to see this Robbie Eagles, dude. This is the team that I'm watching out for, and, like, I'm very excited for that team. Yeah, this is the team to watch. So, on the 16th, they got Liger and Tiger. 17th, they got ACH and Taguchi. On the 20th, they got Rapungi 3K. The 23rd, they got Kanemaru and Desperado. On the 26th, uh, they have LIJ. On the 27th, they got Kushida and Sabin. And on the 31st, they got uh, Voldor and Soberano. So, at this point, we're going to talk about the best of the rest. <laughs> uh, so uh, next up we got Super 69 ACH and uh, Risuke Taguchi uh, you know these guys have been uh, former junior champions uh, last year as a team they lost in the finals and um, Taguchi has been in this trend before with several other partners including you know the former uh, Finn Balor uh, and the former uh, you know Mascara Dorado, known as Grand Metalik now. So, you know, he's had several partners, like we mentioned earlier. I think, he, I think he teamed with, like, El Fuego in the past yep, as well. Yep, yep. Uh, like I mentioned uh, earlier, Ishimori and ACH were a team in the 2016 tournament and made it to the finals. So, Super 69, you know, a recognizable team to New Japan fans. Uh, we have seen what they've done before. I mean, ACH, this guy is an incredible talent. And, uh, you know, this... Uh, a couple days ago, he came out on Twitter saying a farewell to AAW. Um, so I'm hoping that is a sign that you know he's looking to sign somewhere big. Uh, so I'm hoping that I would love to see ACH in New Japan full time. You don't want to see him wrestle Buddy Murphy? Actually, that would that would be a great match. Also, I mean, yeah, if he wants to go 205 Live. I mean. Go, go get that Vince money. I think he's too big for 205 Live. Well, I mean, so is Buddy Murphy, but, like, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, ACH and Taguchi, in the past, it made sense for them to kind of get pushed. I mean, look at the bracket they were in last year. They were going up against Taichi and Takamichinoku, Desperado and Kanemaru, and Liger and Tiger Mask. So it was kind of like it made sense, especially since if you thought Rapongi 3K as a heel team was going to go to the finals, you kind of needed a good foil for them. This year's not that year, especially with it being like a block tournament. Mm-hmm. I think it's a much more difficult task to ask to expect for them to, to factor into a, any sort of finals scenario. The other thing with it as well is um, with uh, Taguchi and, and ACH, actually, I had a great point and I forgot what it was. <laughs> Uh, so I'll run through uh, their schedule. Hopefully, you'll get back to it. Uh, you don't have any thoughts on them? 
I mean, like I said, I mean, they are a solid team. Um, I think... Oh, I know what my thought was. In the past, there have been years where they've really pushed to Gucci a lot. Like, And this past year, during the best of the Super Juniors... It was not one of those years. He yeah. was, it was his lowest tournament that he's ever had before. And so it does seem... Not that they're they're giving up on Taguchi or anything like that, but I don't know how much longer he's going to be a major factor or a major player in the junior division. And so, and obviously with ACH being the guy that they're bringing in to be the other guy, um, it, it just doesn't seem like to, they're pushing Taguchi the way that they did two years ago or even one year ago so that's why I'm not like really putting them in as a bookmark to be a, a team now this tournament they could easily do do a lot of um, I don't know what the word is but where they book a lot of the teams kind of like a lot even of, Steven booking yeah a lot of parody booking so I mean if they end up having like you know five wins in the tournament or something like that I wouldn't be too surprised, you know, four or five wins. Yeah. But I don't see them being near the finals at the end. Yeah, I see them as kind of a middle-of-the-pack team. Uh, I think they'll get some wins, but I, I can see Taguchi being the guy that's going to be eating a lot of pinfalls for the team. You think Taguchi will be that guy? I think both guys. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, you know, Taguchi's just so goofy, and, you know, if he's going to be comedy mode, you know, he, he could be eating a lot of pinfalls. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so on the 16th, their first matchup will be against Voldor and Soberano. On the 17th, they got Bullet Club. On the 19th, they got uh, Suzuki Goon. On the 23rd, they got Kushida and Sabin. Uh, they got Rapungi 3K on the 26th. On the 27th, they got Liger and Tiger. And on the 29th, they got LIJ. Uh, so the next team we have from CMLL, Voldor Jr. and Soberano Jr. Um, and I actually, you know, it was supposed to be Dragon Lee teaming up with Voldor Jr., but Dragon Lee is on some, um, you know, Survivor-type game show. He's on an island right now. Yeah, <laughs> on this, like, Survivor-type game show, and apparently he's doing very well and hasn't been eliminated yet, so... Um, what is it, like Big Brother or something? Like I, I'm hearing it's like, like Survivor, kind of like a Survivor kind of show. Does he wear the mask on camera? Like, what? What is? What is the show, and where can I watch it? <laughs> <laughs> is he like doing like flips off of stuff? Is this or? on Hulu? Like, how can I watch this? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to do some more research on this to see where we can um, find clips of this. But so they brought in uh, Soberano Jr. to be a uh, Voldor's partner here. Very, very exciting as far as. Uh, in Ringo's, this is going to be very, very exciting. Obviously, I expect Soberano, Soberano to be the guy taking most of the pinfalls. I really don't see Volador Jr. taking, uh, you know, a lot of the losses for the team. I think that's why Soberano is there. I, these are guys that I love to watch. If you follow CMLL, you know how talented both of these luchadors are. If you got to see them during, like, um, Fantastic Mania this past year, both of them were standouts of that tour. However... If you go through the history of this tournament and you look at how the Luchador teams have done, I don't think there's a single team that has ever made it out of the first round. If you want to equate that to the idea of what kind of booking they're going to be... Now, if it was Dragon Lee and Volador, I'd be like, oh yeah, they're they're going to be right near the top. But with it being Soberano and Volador, and with the way that they've booked... Uh, I mean, I, we could definitely be wrong. But what kind of sense would it make to very strongly book an outside team that you're not going to get that many dates on? You're not going to make right. that much we're, money We're off. probably not going to see these guys until Fantastic, 
Fantastic Mania, Fantastic Mania uh, next year. They're just they're not signed here. They're not part of this roster. <laughs> um, it would with Dragon Lee at least he's a guy that shows up consistently throughout the year, whereas these two guys don't. I mean, Volador has in the past, and who knows, maybe Soberano Jr. will. But, yeah, I don't see them being one of the top teams. But as far as entertainment goes and high-flying goes yeah. and <laughs> in-ring action. Dude, I, I think these guys against Ishimori and Eagles is gonna be, that's gonna could, be, could be the match of the tournament. That could be the match of the tournament. I mean, I'm sure that they'll go all out for the tournament finals, whatever that winds up being. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I, I don't. Just based on history, I don't see them going very far. Right. Even just based off, of like, if you look at, like, Voldor's um, tournament pass, he was in the best of the Super Juniors in 2016. He went 4-3. and three. He was in the best of the Super Juniors in 2017. He went 3-4. and four. Look, look at this. It, uh, ra- in 2010, in the first round, Mascara Dorado and Valiente lost to Prince Devitt and uh, Taguchi. Um, the next year, let me see... Because they, they had uh, Bushi and Negro Casas, which at the time Bushi was kind of still a representative of, uh, he was still on excursion. They lost to Taichi and Takamichinoku. In 2013, they had a team, let me see, Bushi and Valiente. Now, they actually did get past the first round against Kushida and uh, Yo, but it was because they had Yo, and Yo was still a young boy. That's the only reason. I think that's the only team that's ever. You know, Bushi and Mascara Dorada were the next year. They lost to Red Dragon in the first round. Uh, Mascara Dorada and Taguchi lost to Young Bucks last or in uh, 2015. So, like, yeah, like these Luchador representatives, the Luchador teams, Angel De Oro and Teton lost to Rapongi Vice in the first round in 2016. And then last year, they had uh, Dragon Lee and, T- and Teton lose to lij team in the first round so like i just said you look it through the history yeah, it of it doesn't, doesn't look good for they, the luchadors they, now they come in they have a great first match now this one's kind of cool because we're going to get to see them throughout the whole block tournament and throughout the whole tour which is great i mean if you've never seen these guys it's yeah, they're, they're awesome they're, yeah top talent but yeah i don't see them do, going very far just based on booking right and based on business no there's no way yeah, I don't. I'm pretty sure nobody picked them to win. <laughs> um, their uh, schedule: they got a uh, Super 69 on the 16th. They got Liger and Tiger on the 17th. They got Kushida and Saban on the 20th. Lij on the 22nd. Uh, Suzuki Goon on the 26th. Rapungi 3K on the 27th. And Bullet Club on the 31st. And then our last team is uh, the veteran team of Jushin Thunder Liger and Tiger Mask 4. Um, you know, they appeared in the tournament in 2012, lost in the first round. They were a team together in 2013, also lost in the uh, first round. 2014, they lost in the first round. 2015, lost in the first round. 2016, lost in the first round. 2017, lost in the first round. And in 2010, Liger was teamed with Yoshihashi and lost in the first round. So the Super Junior Tag Tournament has not treated these gentlemen well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna try to utilize this tournament as a way to um, capitalize and establish some teams, 
Liger and Tiger really don't need any kind of establishment. Now, who knows? Uh, Tiger Mask really surprised a lot of people by winning his first three matches during the Best of the Super Juniors this this past year. And then it, it meant a lot more when he started uh, eating losses in the second half or maybe he won his first four I can't even remember yeah, he went on a quite a quite a run there it might have I think it might have been four so could they like have similar booking this this uh you know coming tournament they, they definitely could but at the same time I mean I think we all know why they're there right to pretty much do what they did in all these other tournaments and eat pinfalls they're yeah they're gonna be getting teams over and then like you mentioned earlier they're going to get like a surprise win or two and upset somebody. I think that that's a, a definite possibility, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did want... Well, I want to say I wouldn't be too surprised if they wound up beating, um, you know, the Suzuki-Goon team in the on the last night. Um, but that probably actually isn't what's going to happen. They probably are going to lose on that night as well. The, you could hypothet. I could see a scenario where they win almost no matches. Yeah. Because based on the um, Super Juniors tournament, you know, two years ago, where Liger lost every match until he, you know, faced Taichi and got that consolation victory. So I, I don't see them going on a big nostalgia run. If they do, I would look out for it to be in the early part of the tournament to cause some doubt and to, to create some cause confusion. Cause <laughs> confusion. But yeah, I'm looking at Tiger Mask here, and he only won three matches uh, this past year during the Best, Best of Super Juniors, and it was the, his first three matches. So I wouldn't be too surprised if they did something similar to that. Um, and who knows? They could have some. They could do a parody booking with with these guys too. Um, Tiger Mask and Liger are established, and them be they. They, on any given night, they can beat any of these teams and it be a believable thing. So it's right. not. I'm not saying they're jabronis or anything like that, but I mean they're not realistically going to be anywhere near the finals unless you want to get a lot of heel heat on. Like, what heel team could realistic? There's only two heel teams I see realistically going to the finals, and it's uh, Suzuki Goon and Bullet Club. Yep, those are the two teams, and I don't think it makes a lot of booking sense to do either of those scenarios, so that's why I, I don't see them even being a factor, really. Yeah. So, yeah, I expect them... Um, but yeah. they, could play, they could play spoiler. Yeah, they could. They could cause somebody not to go to the finals. They could cause Kanemaru and Desperado not to go to the finals, and then we wind up with a, uh, with the finals like LIJ versus, you know, Rapongi 3K. Right. Which makes a lot of sense to me. Right. And uh, Kanemaru and Desperado are their last set of opponents on, right, that's why on, on the 28th. That's why I'm saying that specifically. Yeah. Uh, so the rest of their schedule, uh, the uh, 16th, they got Bullet Club. 17th, they got the CMLL team. The 19th, they got LIJ. 22nd, they got Rapungi 3K. 26th, they got Kashida and Saban. 27th, they got Super 69. And then, like we mentioned, the 28th, they got Suzuki Goon. Um, so, yeah, the, that's pretty much wraps up our preview for this tournament. Like we mentioned, um, by the time you're hearing this, the first night will have been completed um, in Cork and Hall on the 16th. Um, and so next week when we come back, you know, we will have uh, we'll, we'll be reviewing all the matches that have happened up to when we record. So it'll be like um, at least uh Two or three nights that have happened by time, uh, actually a couple, of, I think like four nights will happen by the time we record next. So we'll be back with you know all 
the latest latest standings and reviews and you know updates on how everybody is doing in the prediction contest. Yeah, do you have any final thoughts about this tournament? Uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, there's a lot of great wrestlers in this tournament, and if they're all you know out there giving it 100%, we're gonna see some um, good to great to excellent matches throughout this tournament. Um, so I, I think it should be a pretty easy watch, especially on the nights um, that are just video on demand, and there's just two of the tag matches. You know, you'll get like two, you know, either two good matches, two great matches, one good, one excellent match. It should be an easy watch, and I'm looking, I'm pretty, I'm looking forward to it. Well, you know, with me, my um, my whole thing is I love tag team wrestling, and I love junior wrestling, and I'm never that excited about the junior tag division in New Japan for obvious reasons. So I am hoping that this uh, will kind of rectify that to some degree because they have an opportunity to do something really cool and kind of special here. I think it's awesome that they're getting an opportunity to do a block tournament like this and uh, kind of make this, uh, this junior tag tournament into something that means more than what it has in the past. But I'm still cautiously optimistic because I do understand what this is, what it might wind up being. And if it's just Junior World Tag League, you can kind of, <laughs> as, as a lot of our, uh, as a lot of the other people on, uh, on uh, Social Suplex say, you can miss me with that. You can miss me with that bullcrap. Like, but um, I'm ex- I, I, I do hope that this ends up being good. Um, final predictions. Uh, so my bracket that I turned in, I have the finals being Rapungi 3K and LIJ, and I have Rapungi 3K getting the win. I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with uh, Bushi and you can go with LIJ. And uh, yep, I'm gonna go with LIJ uh, just for the reason that they've never had a team repeat before. They love to do things where they they can like Bushi. And, I think with Takagi coming in, you got. I think he is going to factor into some sort of role at Wrestle Kingdom. Personally, I think this is the way that you make that happen. So, and they don't. Not that they don't do repeat wins. They do, but it's it's that's a tough ask in in tournaments. I think there's that there's a way to get over Bushi and Takagi as well to help establish the uh, the division which is why I'm kind of excited about this tournament is they have an opportunity to reestablish the junior tag division um, and it, it makes sense to me now that once you started kind of like laying out that scenario I was like that makes a lot of sense so mm-hmm. I might be wrong here and I'm going to go against my better judgment and I'm going to say it's not going to be Rapongi 3k I'm going to pick Bushi and Tagagi for this one yeah so, yeah, man, it's going to be really interesting to see. And I'm just trying to look and see how um, people have this booked. So, um, on the first night, looks like majority of people have LIJ beating uh, Rapungi 3K um, that first night. So, interesting. That's interesting because I do too. But if I'm picking Bushi and Takagi... I don't think that they beat them twice in a row. Right. That would be a really, really, really big deal if they beat them on the first night and then ended up facing each other in the finals and beat them again. Mm-hmm. I think most people are probably picking that because they're thinking that Rapungi 3K is going to turn around and beat them in the finals, which is a logical booking decision. So maybe I need to change my stance <laughs> on the first night 
with Bushi and Takagi, I don't know. But, yeah, I'm still going Bushi and Takagi to win yeah. the whole thing. Like I said, the majority of the people I'm looking at here, a lot of them have Rapungi 3K going to the finals. A lot of them have Shingo and Bushi. There are a couple BCOG picks. So, there. I think so far I'm looking at it looks like two people so far out of all the people who have entered have, have a... Eagles and Ishimori. Did, did I not say that they're the uh, the dark the horse. dark horse? Yeah. And then what the the next the, the team that's above them is people thinking Desperado and Kanemaru. Uh, I don't see any picks for that team actually. It's all it's all what? Lij uh, Rapungi 3K and Bullet Club. Oh, I was reading it wrong. You have all these analytics. I don't even know how to read them. <laughs> um, so in the finals, a lot of the finals too. It's Rapungi 3K against uh, Lij. Uh, yeah. Hey, that's what the people want. That's what we expect. <laughs> Gato, I know you're out there listening, brother. Give it to us. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and close the show out with the news. Okay, so um, reports this past week uh, indicated that Don Callis is likely done with New Japan Pro Wrestling as a commentator in all facets, which was something that I had... Remember I'd made mention and I said, do you think he's done right around the time of the G1? Yeah. And I was like, it sounded like they were like throwing some digs at him on commentary. And you were like, oh, I think... You know, they're always digging at each other. And I was like, now this seemed different. Like, it seemed like they're criticizing him for, for, like, being done. Well, it seems to be that that is the case. Um, Going forward, the preliminary reports, and this could change at any time, but but that they're going to plan to have a rotating cast of color commentators to commentate uh, New Japan with Kevin Kelly. Um, and in one of the stranger reports, Lanny Poffo is auditioning. He's being flo- uh, flown out to Japan on October 23rd. He'll be with them till November 4th. So we might even hear him on some of these. Yeah, we might hear the genius on the road to power struggle. Does That seems like a kind of out of left field kind of pick. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever heard Lanny Poffo talk, I mean, he's a great promo. But I've never heard him do com- – well, that's not true. I guess I have heard him do commentary, but I haven't heard him do commentary in like 30 years. <laughs> is this man going to come out there and start doing poems on commentary? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but it is a tryout, so it's not like he is you know, a guaranteed lock or anything mm-hmm. like that. Why um, didn't they give us a call? There's still time. <laughs> there's still time. Um, I don't know if I could – I don't think I could do commentary. <laughs> that would be so weird. But yeah, so um, – and there was other stuff too, like uh, Chris Jericho actually tweeted about this because they just released a whole slew of English commentary matches on New Japan World, and it's Kevin Kelly and Mark Warzeshka. Mm-hmm. And someone tweeted Y2J about this, and he was like, he basically said the decision from New Japan to not involve uh, Don Callis with commentary in any way is a huge, huge mistake, and they're they're going to regret it. Mm. So that's interesting because a lot of the reports are the reason that Don Callis is no longer involved is due to his uh, obligations with uh, Impact. So it's like, is it that he can't or that they're not willing to work with his obligations any longer? Yeah. I don't know. But uh, that does take us into the part of the news where they uh, they did just release a whole bunch of matches with English commentary. I've, have you watched any of these matches? I have not got a chance to watch them yet. Because I know, I listened to Kevin Kelly talk on another podcast about how they weren't going to be actual commentary. It's going to be more like... Right, there is apparently, there's like a lead, they give you like the backstory and the lead into it, and then the, there's it runs from there. And then they, the, he mentioned how there might be points in the match where they would pop in and say, 
you know, this portion of this match, like what happened here is significant because here's the backstory and then go back to the match. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's how it is. It sounds like it's actual commentary is what people are. uh, Maybe I'm wrong. That's what what the reports are making it sound like. Mm -hmm. But uh, give you a rundown of some of the preliminary matches. They got Andre the Giant versus Antonio Inoki from 1976. Andre the Giant versus Stan Hansen from 1979. Andre and Hansen from 1980. Hogan and Andre from 83. Cobra versus Davey Boy Smith from 83. Seiji Sakaguchi and Kengo Kimura versus Dick Murdoch and Ed Leslie, otherwise known as uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake from 1984. Inoki versus Big Van Vader from 1988. Black Tiger, which I believe this Black Tiger is uh, from 1990. I believe that's Eddie. Mm. I could be wrong, but uh, Black Tiger versus Owen Hart from 1990. Uh, Kiji Mudo and Masahiro Chono versus the Road Warriors from 1990. Jushin Liger versus Dave Finley from 91. The Great Oz, otherwise known as Kevin Nash, taking on Shinya Hashimoto from 1992. Masahiro Chono versus Rick Rude from 1992, which is the finals of the G1 Climax and the recrowning of the NWA title. Shout out to Caleb. The Road Warriors versus the Steiner Brothers from 1993, which I believe... Wow. That's one of the only matches that they ever had together. I wonder if that's actually the Road Warriors or uh, January 4th, or if that's the Hellraisers. I don't know. Um, Hulk Hogan and the Great Muda versus the Hellraisers from 1993. Inoki versus Sting from 1995, which is a god-awful match during a a martial arts tournament. Oh, my gosh. uh, Kiji Muda versus Ric Flair from 1995, which is awesome. Uh... Jushin Liger and El Samurai versus Koji Kanemoto and Chris Jericho, 1997. El Samurai and Scotty Riggs taking on Marcus Bagwell and uh, Hiro Saito, 1997. And finally, El Samurai versus Chris Jericho from 1997. So there's a lot of like really cool stuff in there that you might want to check out. And it's it all just dropped literally a few days ago. So Yeah, definitely on my list to check out this week. Um, the free match of the week is Scott Norton versus Big Van Vader from 1991. So if you love Hoss Battles, I highly recommend that match. Definitely go check that out. Um, this past weekend, Will Ospreay was uh, um, he was competing at the RevPro Global Wars uh, shows, and he was injured. Yeah. Um, I, forget, I, I forgot who he was wrestling against, but um, yeah, apparently there was some spot that he got hurt on. Well, apparently it was. Apparently it's not as bad as it ended up going to be. He's tweeted out saying he's fine. Um, he just needs some time to rest. Um, and you know, I heard some people talking about it. They don't know if it was one of those like WrestleMania weekend kind of things where he had that big crazy bump and was working people. Um, it was Chris Ridgeway is who he was wrestling. Gotcha. And apparently he was supposed to uh, like hit a Pele kick and he missed it and spiked himself on the head, which is, you know, very similar to what we saw earlier this year back in April when him and Marty Skrull did that uh, Spanish fly spot and he spiked himself on the head. And it's like, you know, I don't know. I think we've talked in depth about like what people think about Will Ospreay and how fantastic of a worker he is, but these things that he does... And, and they call it like that old adage is it's called high risk for a reason. Right. I mean, this guy does nothing but high risk. And it, it is interesting because you see a guy like like Will Ospreay just do things that other people can't. And you think he's such a beast and he's so incredible and you never see him mess up. 
that he never is, and then when he does, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Um, I don't think that this was from the reports I read that this was any sort of worked uh, angle. They he basically got put into it immediately after they checked on him. They went right to the finish, and he lost. And then they actually took him to the hospital, mm-hmm. so he can say like everything's fine and maybe he is maybe he's like wolverine he has super you know uh, (laughs) he's a mutant (laughs) he's a mutant and he recovers you know so quickly but um i mean you only have so many of those bumps i mean last bumps a real thing yeah yeah so um but this it's you know i'm not a worker i'm not here to criticize you know what other people do i just want the guy to be safe you know and it does make me wonder with the upcoming upcoming power struggle card, where this puts him in uh, Taichi for the never title, and what that means, so we'll yeah. keep our eyes and ears posted on that. We also have sad news: um, Tetsuhiro Yagi, one of the young lions from this, uh, you know, the past couple years that was a shining prospect that we had high hopes for, has officially retired. Um, for due to personal reasons, he had broken his arm earlier in the year, about half, six months ago. We're expecting his return, and he will not be returning to New Japan or to pro wrestling for the time being. Yeah, dude, that's very disappointing news. Um, you know, became a big fan of Yagi. Um, you know, end of last year, going into until he broke his arm. You know, we saw those epic matches he was having with um Oka was it was it no with uh, Narita yeah with Narita Renarita Renarita at the uh, you know the Young Lions Cup and just a lot of those lion um project shows and a lot of the you know early, the opening matches and some of the big shows him and Narita tore it down um you know I thought he was one of the most underrated young boys you know a lot of people they, they talked about their Kawatos and their Uminos and um their Okas but um Yaki was just one of those guys man that he, if he could stick with it he would he would have gone somewhere he had all the tools <laughs> <laughs> Bro, don't make me laugh. Cause like, listen, I'm sick. Plus, this past weekend, I was fly- I was out there flying on a trampeze. Like my name was, you know, Bill Dundee, like the superstar. This man was out here doing like pescados and I was doing topes and. Bro, I was doing. I was, bro. I was really high up there. Like I, I was like 30 feet in the air on a trapeze for real, for real. Uh, you guys can't see it, but the back of my legs are all bruised up. I tore the skin off my hands. Uh, it was awesome. I was doing flips, and I had a dude catch me. Man, it's looking like Ricochet out there. I, I was looking just like Ricochet. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, every time I would climb the ladder, I, like, this is such a marky thing. <laughs> but every time I was climbing the ladder, I was like, I was like, I feel like I'm Road Warrior Animal at like Starcade eighty like seven. I was like, I feel like I'm getting ready to go up on the uh, on the scaffold. Like, <laughs> I was like, this is what they must have felt like. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like my abs, my core, my back, everything hurts so bad, and also I'm sick all at the same time. So like laughing. That's why like I I don't know if you guys can tell I'm not bringing my usual oomph and uh, enthusiasm to the show because I just I'm like wiped, dude. Still. But uh, <clears throat> um, we got other news where Kevin Kelly was uh, featured on the Ross Report this past week. I actually haven't been listening to the Ross Report, but I want to check this out. They were talking about Jim Ross forgetting wrestlers' names on the shows <laughs> and um, talking about their ideas for what they 
what the English commentary team should be and that there should only be one English commentary to represent New Japan in America, which is I'm all for that. So if you get a chance, you definitely want to check that out. Hmm. Yeah, particularly, yeah, Ross Report has fell off my rotation. So <laughs> uh, There was a tweet this past weekend um, from uh, Bad Luck Fale offering a spot in the OG Bullet Club to Khabib Nurmagomedov. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you we didn't even talk about it last week. Obviously, we both watched UFC this last weekend and saw that man beat down Conor McGregor. Yeah, man. Whoop that boy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we do you think any chance we're going to see Khabib show up? Who knows? I mean, if he ends up, you know, getting suspended and stripped of the title, and dude, you know, what? you know, my response: Go Anokias! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, there was also a report this past weekend where Lij did a uh, interview with. Uh, Tokyo Sports. Tokyo Sport or Weekly Pro. I don't know which which one it was. I think it was Tokyo Sports. And they were at the family restaurant that they like to frequent. And uh, they had uh, Shingo Takagi there. And um, basically, um, <laughs> Naito told the reporters that there was another Mr. X with them, that he was going to unveil them right then and there, and that they needed to close their eyes so he could unveil the new Mr. X. And then when they opened their eyes, all of LIJ was gone, and they stuck them with the bill. <laughs> So oh my gosh. Looks these, like, these Dine and Dash stories have do been you think like these Dine and Dash stories are like their version of like being the elite, like their their bits that they're doing over there. Probably. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um Hinari was also interviewed this past week and he talked about how back in twenty sixteen, um, he actually chose the New Japan Dojo over going to NXT. He was actually in Orlando and the day before he was supposed to report to the uh, performance center. He got a call from Fale who said that they had a spot in the dojo, and he immediately packed his bags and went to the dojo. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. So apparently, and he tried for several years to get in with the uh, dojo, and they turned him down uh, two years in a row. So very, very interesting stuff there. Um, and then the last bit of New Japan news, um, Switchblade has a new Bullet Club shirt out now. So if you want that <laughs> it exists <laughs> so if you're all about all about breathing in the bullet club um this shirt is for you and um the power struggle uh tickets have gone on sale and they have already sold out boom so that's in Osa- osaka joe hall yeah i think so so that's a that's a pretty big deal because uh, that's like the third or fourth sellout they've had um for new japan this past year so that's a really good indicator i don't know if it's just due to them being a big wrestling town or maybe Jericho's moving the needle, but that's very, very good news. So um, I did hear that they're going to be releasing more tickets on Sunday. Um, so that's also good as well. So yeah. hopefully they got to sell it already. In other news outside of New Japan. So this man Jericho been telling everybody that... <laughs> This man Jericho been telling everybody that the only way you can watch the matches that will be on the cruise is to, you know, get tickets and come on the cruise. And then this man's been finessing everybody. This past week they announced that uh, Honor Club will be showing the um, – what what's the, the tournament? Uh, the Sea of Honor tournament. They'll also be showing the uh, Alpha Club versus Bullet Club match. Uh, so yeah, Honor Club Fight TV. Like I've been saying, Fight oh, TV. You're gonna be able to. See, I think you're gonna be able to see everything, right? Yeah. On Fight TV. So if you want to watch the the Jericho Cruise matches and the Sea of Honor tournament, Fight TV's for you. 
Have at it. Yeah, we have Honor Club, so we'll be able to see stuff there. I don't know if I'll even see it. <laughs> um, Ring of Honor Global Wars is next month, and they just announced that PJ Black will be making his debut for Ring of Honor, as well as Tetsuya Naito is announced for the Ring of Honor Global Wars. Um, I could kind of care less. Uh, there was a time when these Global Wars and, you know... War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. They, they'd be announced way ahead of time. Big matches. Really exciting stuff. We're like a few weeks away, and this they haven't even announced anything. Yeah, last year's Global Wars wasn't the best matchup, so... Yeah, I'm not sure what they got planned this year. Uh, this past weekend was Bound for Glory uh, with Impact, which I think we'll probably be talking about them a lot less because going forward, it doesn't seem that to be that they're going to be fixing into anything that has to do with New Japan unless something changes drastically. But with that be Ishimori is on the card somewhere. But uh, there had been reports that uh, Chris Jericho would show up on that card. Not so. So that seemed to be a false rumor. Um so don't land blast us for reporting that last week <laughs> too much. Um, however, what is not a rumor, uh, WSW in Australia is going to be running shows towards the end of November where they'll be having Cody versus Walter and Cody versus Brian Cage. Dude. Both of those matches sound awesome. Cody's going to be having... Cody's going to get killed. He's going to be feeling rough after those two shows. Uh, Ring of Honor will be having their Survival of the Fittest tournament on November 4th. They've announced several competitors for that, and whoever wins that tournament will be getting a title shot against the Ring of Honor World Champion, Jay Lethal, if he's still the champion. Uh, This past weekend, we had... New Japan stars in the in Europe as well as in Mexico. There's three matches that you might want to definitely check out. According to reports, both of that, all three of them are high, high, high like recommendations. Uh, Michael Elgin versus Ultimo Guerrero. It, people are talking about this. Yeah. Like it's like it's a lucha match. I've been hearing here. about that. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my god, I got to check that out. That sounds awesome. Um, Walter and Osprey from OTT. Also, they said it was better than any OTT match this year, which I'm like, how? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Ishii versus Minoru Suzuki. Um, congratulations to Tomohiro Ishii as he is once again the Rev Pro. Undisputed British Heavyweight Championship. As, as it should be. <laughs> as it should be. Um, and they're saying that this is the best match that they've had all year as well. So. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be on New Japan World this week at we'll some point. We'll have to check that out. Yeah. And then uh, let's wrap up the show. Let's talk about being the elite. The elite. The the elite. This was the California Lovin' episode. Um a lot of uh, funny bits here with SCU. They were kind of like the main focus. Yeah, they called it the California Love episode, and I love the bit was so hilarious because all throughout the episode, they'd be like, they started out, they just met up in a lobby, and they're like, well, what do you like about Southern California? And then all throughout the episode, like guys just popping up and like telling each other what they love about like, Southern <laughs> yeah. California. Yeah, so funny. Like literally, like. Um, uh, what's his name? Scorpio Sky's face when they ask him what he loved about SoCal, and he's just like, <sighs> like he freaking like he yeah. lit up like a little kid, dude. It's you so know, funny. We got a uh, you know Matt Jackson's at the urinal, and Dan- Christopher Daniels pops up like all up in his face, like talking about SCU. That was so funny. Uh, Nick Jackson's like doing pull ups, and then S- uh, Scorpio Sky's on the other pull ups, like right right in front of him, like <laughs> pulling up with him to tell him about SCU. Yeah, that stuff was really funny. Um, I thought one thing that was really funny that popped me was uh, when Adam Page was watching the previous weeks uh, being the elite. 
and he noticed the storyline that's going on with, uh, you know, Vince or, or no, I'm sorry, Triple, Triple H giving the letter to uh, to Kenny Omega, and it just. That's not what's funny to me. What's funny is that I've been watching this show since it started, and this is the first time that I can remember where anyone has ever like watch back, watched back. <laughs> and and like these guys could be figuring out this crap every week. Like I remember one episode, they're like like uh, where Nick Jackson was like, I don't I don't know what's going on. They're like, How did you not know? Don't you edit this show? <laughs> He's like, I just piece it together. I don't watch it. But I'm like. This is the first time where someone's actually watching being the elite, yeah. uh, being the elite, and like piecing stuff together. And it's taken like three years for someone yeah. to actually do this. And he like looks down at his boots because Triple H has like sent him those boots that he's wearing. That was really funny. Um, obviously, the biggest part of the episode is just the fact that no one, the clock is counting down. Two months are coming up, and every everybody's contracts are up, and we don't know where these guys are going to land, and that's yeah. pretty much what they're talking about. Yeah, and they had the whole scene, too, with Marty and Matt. Marty invited him to his New Year's party, Yeah, and uh, Matt didn't want to come because he doesn't know what he's doing January 1st. And uh, that was Being the Elite. <laughs> <laughs> any any other thoughts on Being the Elite? Uh, no, I mean, I thought this week, this week was a funny episode. It was, you know, great seeing SCU get some more screen time. Oh, you know what? Before we go, there was one last thing, and I think it's a great way to close the show. So I watched the Wrestle Kingdom um, press conference. I know that you haven't had a chance to check it out, but I think that we should discuss some of this stuff. So you had a chance this past week to go on to the Outsider's Edge podcast, mm-hmm. and I did a little run-on in the middle of the show. <laughs> And one of the big talking points uh, that you discussed, because obviously, and shout out to Rance, and shout out to uh, to Kyle, and shout out to Carl. Hashtag bring back Carl. <laughs> Free Carl. Free Carl. <laughs> that man's trapped in, I don't know, he's in like the, the, the Hardy compound somewhere. But yeah, uh, The Outsider's Edge is one of the other shows here on the uh, Social Suplex Network. You can also catch them on Chair Shot Radio. And uh, they brought on Jeremy. And you guys had a... a big discussion about Kenny and Tanahashi and the, and the, the main event of Wrestle Kingdom uh, which I, I listened to this past week and I thought it was very interesting and then I, I watched this uh, press conference there's a few things that were brought up during the press conference that I think we should talk about before we go alright but um, I mean what right now what are your thoughts on this main event because we haven't really spent a lot of time discussing it and now that it's here we Last week we were just like it's here, but we haven't really discussed it, and I, I feel like we need to talk about this press conference. I mean, overall, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this main event. Um, you know, just the fact that they've been saving this match for two years is going to be a fresh, ma- fresh matchup. Both of these guys are two of the best wrestlers in the world right now, um, so I'm ex- I'm expecting you know five stars from these guys. Uh, I think they're going to kill it, uh, and they've been you know telling an interesting story of, of, you know, the Kenny style versus Tanahashi style, Western style versus traditional Japanese style. Um, so that's been kind of like the, the theme of this rivalry. And I know there are some complaints that, you know, that the full story, the full narrative has not come across on, you know, New Japan programming. A lot of it has been, you know, interviews that are on New Japan's website or, you know, quick little video stuff. Um, I haven't seen the press conference, and so I'm sure the press conference will, there, there was more of that came out, I'm sure. Um, and I'm sure, you know, we're only in October right now. 
you know, we have several months until Russell's Kingdom. I'm I'm sure that more of the narrative will be on screen on New Japan World. Yeah, so it, this was really, really interesting stuff that they discussed uh, during... One thing I, I do want to point out, if you haven't seen the press conference, which is such a step in the right decision. It, they did it with all English subtitles. So if you want to watch it, it's super accessible. Um, if you don't speak Japanese, you probably want to uh, fast forward through the translations because Kenny does give most of his promos in English and then they translate, so it does take a while. But um, just, I just want to go over some of the things that Tanahashi said here. We can kind of discuss it. So Tanahashi spoke first. He said, it's been a while to be here in the main event of the Tokyo Dome. I haven't been able to collect my thoughts yet, so please ask me later if any of uh, my words are not enough. My intent with pro wrestling is to liven things up and allow everyone to have a good time. And as always, look towards my victory in the end. If you just look at the service, I thought that Kenny and I had similar ideas originally. But yesterday after I watched the main event and he was talking about the triple threat, visuals, athletics, everything, looking at it, it was all there and it was all amazing. But after the match ended, I was reminded that it was a title match for the IWGP title. That's what I was left with. And he basically says the IWGP authority, the way they treat the IWGP title, the IWGP belt is not an accessory. And there's something that has been bothering me for quite a while. If I have to criticize that match, Ibushi and Cody are companions. It started with shaking hands and had fierce offense and defense. But before all, they started by shaking hands. Then why did they even use a table? Why was it necessary? I found myself asking why many times during that match. What? Why? Why would you use a table on your teammate? Leading in, leading to today, I've always wanted to spread pro wrestling. For those watching for the first time, they shouldn't be left questioning what's going on. Kenny has the eye of the world and more and more people have found pro wrestling, but the way he wrestles, it's not easy for those watching for the first time. There's so many questions. This is what I believe. I know that there is a big difference in condition between me and Kenny, but I'll find a way to manage somehow. I've wrestled the Tokyo Dome many times, and this is... Uh, and this will be my best effort for sure. And I will put the belt around my waist once again. Boom, dude. Tanahashi had a lot of criticisms that I mean that we've had, and a lot of people had about the, the triple threat. So it's so interesting that that's starting to come to light. And then um, Omega kind of responded to this. He says, "This all seems familiar. Like we've done all this before, Tanahashi." And then I remember, yes, in fact, we have done this before. In 2016, we were slated to make history together. We were supposed to have a ladder match, and then you got injured. These things happen. We're all human. Our bodies are fragile. But in your case, Tanahashi, I thought that that was the straw to break the camel's back. I thought that I would never see you in the main event picture again, and yet here you are. Somehow, after all this time, here you are, defying the odds, winning the G1, defending the brief case and now yes again you can stand in the middle of the ring against the IWGP heavyweight champion the man that left you in the dust when you canceled an event at Osaka Joe Hall I was the one to carry the company everyone brings up that time 15 years ago when you survived throughout the dark ages if there was no Tanahashi there would be no NJPW but who's been carrying the company up until now what is the reason why you have a paycheck what is the reason why so many useless members of our roster have a bi-weekly paycheck it's because one of us moved the needle one of us moved minds and hearts and it was not you yes you have a classic style but then it was then it worked wonders and now things have changed people still cheer for you but it's different it's not a genuine cheer for wanting you to win those cheers those calls those are prayers 
they are begging, they are worried, and they just don't want to see you die in the ring. I cannot and I will not have mercy upon you at the Tur Tokyo Dome. You've gotten this far, the ace is back. You can stand in the middle of the ring in the main event on the grandest stage after all. Wrestling, wrestling ideology aside, I don't care what you think of my style. In fact, it doesn't matter what I think of yours. What matters is I'm the reason you're standing here today. You were the reason I was able to enter NJPW. In a way, I have to thank you, but you, the new regime, anyone that has for, that's foreign has to thank me. So now that you've got the formalities out of the way, all that's left is the Tokyo Domain event. Which pro wrestling ideology is better? It doesn't matter. What matters is which one of us is better. We all know I'm the better athlete, stronger, faster, smarter, and I have bigger dreams than you. I'm the reason this company has gone global. You're the one that wants to stay here. You're the one that wants to make this a small pond for a medium-sized fish. This is really a test of hopes and dreams, and mine are much bigger than yours. My sacrifice up to this point has been much, much bigger than yours. Dude, both of these guys spit in that fire at this press conference. Yeah, so I mean, like, essentially, what I didn't like about the build originally was that it was about styles of wrestling and how they lay out a match and there's no grace to your style oh your style basically you're a spot you're a spot monkey and oh you you're not exciting enough and it's like i don't i didn't care about that you know that was my big criticism i was like who cares about the ideologies and the philosophies now i will say it was weird watching this because it was so docile the way that they're like saying everything but then again, it's it's Japan and it's a, a real press conference and they do present it as a sports style. That's one thing too is like, you know, you were saying that Ranson and, and other people who don't watch New Japan are like, well, we want to see it play out in the ring. Well, it's like, well, they do play it out in the ring in the matches. And plus we have a long way to go for Tokyo Dome. It's right. two months away. So we'll see what happens. But this press conference was very, 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 very interesting. Um, the stuff that they were saying. Kenny basically started uh, essentially saying that he's the reason that like all this merchandise is sold. He's the reason that, you know, the, the international numbers for New Japan World have gone up. All the U.S. Long Beach and San Francisco shows. Yep, and he was like, you know, he <clears throat> talked about All In. He talked about being the elite. And he said without him, none, he's basically he said that he is special and that he's the reason that he's changed the wrestling world with, with all these different, uh, you know, avenues of presenting New Japan to the world. Whereas he's like... Tanahashi just wants to keep things the way that they always have been and you can't grow the product that way and he was saying that he was saying that basically Tanahashi thinks that he is New Japan Pro Wrestling Kenny's like I'm not New Japan Pro Wrestling I am wrestling he's like my dreams are, are on a worldwide level and you, you just want to be this brand you know um, Tanahashi basically did talk about you know the, the issues with Bullet Club being babyface and then heel and good guy and bad guy and he was like it very like it all being very convoluted and confusing and everyone kind of knowing who he is but nobody knowing who Kenny actually is mm -hmm. which I was like oof <laughs> and, and Kenny kind of said like the way that Tanahashi got to the main event was wrong and he was like the way you beating Ibushi was wrong and it almost sounded like he was saying like he didn't come out and say it, but the way he was saying it was like, basically, the fact that Tanahashi's in the main event over guys like Ibushi and Naito and Okada is wrong. Yeah. That he doesn't belong there. And he, um, they asked him at one point, they said, 
are you going to um they're like tanahashi called you out as being the best bout machine are you going to give him your best bout at and he basically said i could but that's not what's going to happen he's like i'm going to expose this guy i'm going to pick him apart he's like this is going to be a great story but it's not going to be a great match it's not going to be a great performance it's going to be a dismantling and i'm going to basically he said i'm going to embarrass hiroshi tanahashi he's like he can't hang with me anymore he was like when i he's like when i wrestled him in 2016 that one time i thought he was a genius i thought he was this master and then i left him behind and he stopped he never grew and he's like and he's nowhere near the level of competitor that i am today he's like i'm going to embarrass him which I was like, whew. Dude, yeah. So, you know, if you want your build for this match, here it is in this press conference. I mean, strong. And then, there's more. There's a lot more. Like, I highly recommend watching this press conference. Yeah, it's up on it's up on New Japan World, right? It's and, free. You can yeah. watch it. You don't yeah. even have to be subscribed. It's You can watch it right on the internet. It's got, it's probably on their, their uh, YouTube channel, too. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm very very excited. You know, he basically said that this this whole thing is about him destroying a legend and making sure that the, that the legend of Hiroshi Tanahashi dies one last time. He wants to put him out like old Yeller. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, Tanahashi didn't have a lot to say on this. You know, so it was very it, a lot of it was Kenny kind of carrying the whole thing, which is very very interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen with this. Um, I, at one point, I wasn't so in, into this story, but after watching this press conference, I I think for anyone who is, um, you know, kind of wondering about this match, or, or, or I, I I recommend watching the the press conference. I really really do. Yeah, I got so I got to check that out this week, along with you know every all the stuff that's popping up. I need to watch. <laughs> so much wrestling, so little time. <laughs> All right, anything else? That's going to do it for the news. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Keeping It Strong Style. Next week, we'll be back with Road to Power Struggle coverage and the updates on the Super Junior Tag League and the prediction contest and, of course, all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. Social Suplex is at at Social Suplex on Facebook or Facebook.com slash Social Suplex and we also have our Facebook group The Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle on Reddit I am the pro black guy Josh is keeping it strong style you can email me Jeremy at Social Suplex.com if you want to be a part of Social Suplex or start writing columns or possibly start a podcast on our network um, you can check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland, The Outsider's Edge with Rance, Carl, and Kyle, and our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryant. So don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. So until next time... Goodbye and good night. Bang. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. See you next time. See you next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. 
We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.